I want it to be poots. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah, I do too. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. All right, everybody, welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins, joined as always by the voice of CinemaSins, Jeremy Scott. Yeah. And from Music Video Sins, Barrett Share. Hello. And uh, today, and for the next week's uh, episode, we're going to basically just focus on the years. Uh, mainly, mm-hmm. we're trying to fit in this Thanksgiving rush and everything, but hopefully we'll have enough content uh, for everybody and everything. So we're going to continue the series of Best of the Years We've Been Alive, and we're going to do 2007 today, which is a great year. This country's hard on people. I'm getting that for show. Tell him I'm sorry, right? I mean, he knows me. Just tell him I apologize. I explained to him he could lose his life, but don't lose the tape. Spider pig, spider pig, does whatever a spider pig does. Get out! I shouldn't have gone in there. Try getting a boner now. I like Shrek. I don't know, quite like a little midnight gobble. (laughs) I'm finished. Yeah. Fantastic year. Yeah, both of these. I mean, the 2007 and 2008... There's so much amazing stuff, especially after the last couple of years, that mm-hmm. I think, you know, it's worthy of really ex- taking a deep dive into these things. There's a good seven or eight movies in 2007 that you guys could throw out as your number one pick, and I wouldn't bat an eye. Yeah. Yeah. Which um, means the voting could be very interesting. Mm-hmm. We might end up with another When Harry Met Sally situation. <laughs> we'll, end well, up, <laughs> we'll end up giving it to Juno or something. <laughs> or actual Harry Met Sally. We'll just have to go back years. Yeah. Uh, two movies that... Um, probably competed for my attention in 2007 and of course we've mentioned them many times before but no country for all men and there will be blood mm. both came out in 2007 and there's it, and they're just it is like neck and neck i remember actually making a list and just like those two were left and i was just like which one <laughs> which one is gonna be it and uh i think i ended up on there will be blood oh really for that year um but no country for old men i mean it's you can easily put one a one b on this yeah, they're really yeah. good movies yeah yeah they're probably i think the general film going public views those as probably the two top contenders mm-hmm. um there are plenty of others though yeah absolutely but uh now i've seen no country for old men way more times than i've seen there will be blood and i think it's just the nature of my my cycle and when i am when i have the tv on it seems like no country for old men is on like every other week yeah and i always catch a little bit of it and i don't feel like i ever see there will be blood on any of those movie channels probably playing when i'm not watching tv but uh so i've seen no country for old men maybe 15 20 times is this the cohen's most serious movie it's it is in my opinion their best movie it might oh yeah it might be their most serious i I think blood simple is still their most serious movie okay no country for all men still has some humor in it yeah um like you know for instance i mean anton sugar is a character that like really can be funny even though he's menacing all the way throughout (laughs) and and uh the uh, miriam mcdonald character Mm -hmm. she's she's always like she's got some funny stuff and she's got a great accent in this yeah. too you know and uh and i just like and i and josh brolin i love the scene where he's just in the he's in the in his bed and he's like he's like thinking about the people that are out in the desert and yeah. everything and he's like 
okay and he, <laughs> he just gets up and he starts going out there and everything and, you know um i still yeah i still think blood simple is way more serious than this but yeah it's probably up there as far as their serious one movies. of the reasons i think no country is so much fun to watch is it's it's so free of dialogue at least on the josh brolin end of things when he goes out there the first time and discovers the scene and trying to figure out where the guy with the money might have gone the last man standing um and uh, he's he's not a he's not an educated man, mm-hmm. right? But he's super smart in mm-hmm. the way that he goes about. Like he should be dead long before he is in yeah. this movie, but he still has like this redneck. Like she's like, "Where'd you get the pistol?" And he's like, "At the getting place." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I just I love his performance so much. But I love this is a perfect example of a movie that shows you a character making decisions without telling you mm-hmm. what they're doing. Uh, a lesser movie would have him narrating to himself or just have narration over the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what a singular villain. Yeah, I mean this is this is one of the most terrifying villains of this decade, at mm-hmm. least, yeah. if not all time. And he's just, like you said, his presentation is goofy. Mm-hmm. You know, with that page boy yeah. uh, haircut and everything. By the way, I said Miriam McDonald. I meant Kelly McDonald. I don't know why. Oh, okay. I don't know why I said Miriam, but it's Kelly McDonald. Oh, yeah. and just tidbit we might have talked about before. That's the voice of Merida in Brave. Yes. And, oh, yeah. And she's legitimately like Irish or Scottish or whatever. It was yeah. my American ignorance. But uh, she's not Southern Texas at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and she's also her. I think her debut was Train Spotting. But yeah, this one ended up winning Best Picture uh, from the Academy, and the Coens got their second Best Director. One thing, it's funny. Like they always get the editing nomination too, and it's always Roderick Janes is their is their pseudonym for the for their uh-huh. editor. And we're just and and I know somebody, and I'm now interested too, who was who wished they would finally win an editing Oscar. <laughs> So that they could, so we could figure out who's going to go up there and accept it. And they've had, uh, they've had, I think it was um, Big Lebowski or one of these movies on their DVD. They had Roderick James talking on one of those things <laughs> on the commentary, <laughs> like on a like a short or something. Nice. They never do commentaries, I don't think, but they did like some short or whatever. It was Roderick James, That's and he's awesome. like, of course, he's like. They always show the picture of him too. He's like got the mustache and the, <laughs> and and it's like totally not, of course, you know. Um, but yeah, I love this movie so much, and uh, Javier Bardem is a is a big reason for it. We haven't talked about Tom Lee Jones, who was is this his last great performance that we've seen? Uh, yeah, unless you count Jason Bourne. I was gonna say he was okay in Jason Bourne, but <laughs> but it was certainly wasn't great. I feel no, like this is, this is the first. I mean, I th- he he's done a couple, and I can't remember. It's about around the same time he did that Three Burials movie that yeah. he directed, mm. where he's really good in that, and uh, in the Valley of Ella, which <laughs> yeah. I, which either came out this year or the next year, and I can't remember what it was, but uh, I I think that's that last section where he just was, you know, where he did had a character where you felt like, oh my god, he's really kicking ass and he's yeah. got just the right amount of exhaustion doesn't he like, yeah that's he's, <laughs> he's really smart uh but he's he's almost done with this world mm-hmm. right like in terms of dealing with his job and all the madness and you get a, you get a little more literal with that when he goes and talks to the other texas cop after the shooting um ed tom is that what his name is ed tom i, I think there's i think the, the guy keeps calling him ed yeah, tom yeah it is ed tom uh, bell but yeah he's great in this movie 
Um, but there's a uh, so many tense moments in this. We mm-hmm. talked about it. The the motel scene is great. The uh, the scene where he's being chased by dogs through the river is great. Oh man! Uh, the scene where Sugar is in the uh, gas station, yeah, and he flips the coin, and the very innocent shopkeeper is like wondering what the hell is this all about. <laughs> And uh, and he's like he's like call it and he's like what did it, what does it matter and he's like it means everything you know? <laughs> no clue <laughs> yeah exactly um, but uh, yeah so good how um, much of that villain's greatness do you think can be attributed to that really unique weapon that he uses which is that yeah cow brain air gun yeah it's definitely original like you yeah I mean it's it's something sort of signature about yeah. It. I, I do think mo- it's more him. I agree. Anything. I just especially like scenes like when he's in that one scene, he shoots one of the characters and there's blood on the floor and you see him like very casually uh, move his feet, his boots out of the way so he doesn't <laughs> yeah. get blood on them. Yeah. And it's also that and that that scene right there is very telling because later on when you're like, I don't know if he shot that person or not. When he looks at his shoes, it tells you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yeah. It's so it's so it's so cool. And he's I think it's just him mainly. And he's so methodical. Like mm-hmm. that scene where he blows up a car just to make a distraction so he can steal some shit <laughs> yeah. in a store. I mean, he doesn't even blink. He's yeah. just automatic. Oh man, I love this movie. Well, the weapon is is more terrifying because you know he's got to have put thought into the method in which he's going to kill people. Yeah, you know? yeah. Because nobody would just like take that off the rack and be like, I'm, I'll use that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. So uh, let's talk a little bit about There Will Be Blood. Uh, I, the This movie is just an achievement. I didn't think you could make movies like this anymore mm-hmm. when this came out. Like, it, it just, it, it's like, uh, finally, someone's just made the movie that they want. It's a guy who's got talent to do it and just knocked it out of the park. And you have Daniel Day-Lewis in one of his best and most, in you know, enduring roles and um uh it's it's a it's just crazy good it starts off with no dialogue yep and uh and you just and you know everything from that just from the opening scene there was one uh there was one thing that i read on it that i never considered uh, when it first came out you know at the beginning of it where he falls down that that well he breaks his leg and everything uh, the next scene is him get you know like um, the weighing the gold. I think he's going after gold at first. Silver, yeah, it's silver. Yeah. Uh, it, the next scene is him, you know, in the he's got he's like all whole, he's like sitting down with his leg all uh-huh. you know whatever, and he's seeing this. Uh, someone mentioned that you have to think about what he went through to get to that place. Yeah, he didn't have any help. He drug himself all the way to this place. Yep. And you don't think about it because they just they just cut to it really quick, and that just shows you how driven he is. Yeah. In the entire movie, it shows he will not be stopped. He's. I think we could call this guy up there with Chigurh as one of the best villains, right? Oh yeah. In terms of, and this was a pretty good year for movies, but a pretty good year for villains mm-hmm. and actors chewing the shit out of that role. This is probably. I'm not the guy who's like always banging the gong for. Daniel Day-Lewis, I, I think he is consistently excellent at his job. Mm-hmm. I thought he was awesome in Lincoln. Didn't mm-hmm. really care about the movie Lincoln. Mm-hmm. And I, a lot of his movies end up feeling like that to mm-hmm. me, like My Left Foot, or what, where he's got like great performance, but the movie does nothing for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was one that was not that way. And so I think that stuck with me even longer. Yeah, This is one of the characters that I could almost categorically say nobody else could play. 
Yeah. Uh, I, I've thought about many times, like some of the best actors of our generation or even previous generations in that role. And I don't see anybody else in that role. He inhabited it so much that I, it's, it's absolutely singular. Well, uh, and that's his thing. And that's why he's so good. I don't know that his method would work for a bunch of other actors, but he just steeps in that shit yeah. and lives it um, until it's done. So I think you're right. I think it took somebody like that to really get this character. Yeah, the command that he has over everything. You know, you you see him get to that point, but once he gets to the position of power, his physical presence is intimidating, his voice is intimidating, those eyes that just dart everywhere <laughs> are, are unsettling enough to be intimidating. Oh, man. And once again, right. a character that we see who pretends to be religious yeah. in order to uh, get that power in the town. Every action that he makes belies that in some way. There's no way that you can really call this guy a Christian in any in any form. But he fools that town because he still goes up and he does all the things that he needs to do. I'm a family man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I think he's very uh, wonderfully offset by Paul Dano. In this, oh, yeah. Who didn't really get as much credit as I think he should have in this. Paul Dano's performance in this is one of the most unnominated performances of mm -hmm. all time. I I used that uh, term in one of our earlier uh, podcasts. Uh, how in the world? Like, because there's there's a scene in here where I feel like he is as intense. He even matches Daniel Day Lewis's intensity. Is uh, that in the the front of the, the church church scene when he's telling him to you know I I'm an awful father and mm -hmm. I've you know I've I've abandoned my child and mm -hmm. all that. You know, you see him like going through all that intense, like, you know, street preacher yeah. type stuff. And you can see it in the trailer, too. Like there's a scene like a blip of that in the trailer. He's just got that that physicality mm -hmm. during it and everything. But, man, that scene is so mesmerizing to me because of him. And yeah. then Daniel Day-Lewis, obviously, he does his job in that, and he's perfect. You know, I've abandoned my child. Yeah. I've abandoned my child. You know, all that stuff. But it's Paul Dano that really sets that in yeah, motion. Yeah, he's driving it. I want to ask about that scene, actually. Do you think he actually breaks in that scene? I th I've thought about that scene many, many times. Because it's set up to where it's it's essentially a ruse. Like, he's going up to confess his sins, because he wants to be more accepted by this town and everything. Do you think he actually breaks at that moment or that's part of his master plan? No, I think he does have a mixture there. Mm. He knows he still has to do this. Mm. But in the middle of it, he really does have a genuine break. Yeah, he's humiliated. And that's what's so amazing about that scene to me is that there are two things going on there. Hmm. He is trying to uh, fake it. Mm. But during the middle of this faking it, he's like, uh I really have abandoned my child. I really have done this. And I think that's what gives him that just that oomph during that whole that whole scene. It reminds me of my orgasms because <laughs> I'm always trying to fake it. But every now and then I'll actually have one on accident. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Accidental orgasm. Yeah, you, it's the sense memory of, of the orgasm, really. Oh, God. I <laughs> uh, took a turn. Uh, but he's uh, he's just... Um, He's evil. He's completely evil. But like, we don't. It's amazing to me how he just methodically gets all these people's land. 
And like, we think that this one guy is always going to hold out and everything. Of course, there's at the ending of it, we find out that things have gone a lot, a lot more than we actually thought we were going. Um, But uh, I just, this movie is just so, so very good. It takes its time. It's got some slow moments, but the slow moments are are really good. You think this is Paul Thomas Anderson's best? It's definitely his best. Definitely. I think I would rather watch Boogie Nights than any of his other movies. Well, Boogie but, Nights is a lot more fun. Yeah, but I can't say Boogie Nights is better than There Will Be Blood. No. Yeah. Wow, I that's think, interesting. I, I would actually put The Master above this. Yeah? I love that movie so much. But I like The Master a, a lot. very close But second. Master is such a dense movie to yeah. get into yeah. that I think There Will Be Blood has a little bit more entertainment value. Yeah. And I think that uh, Boogie Nights definitely has more entertainment value than The Master. The Master definitely, if you're getting into some heady stuff, yeah, yeah it's his best as far as heady stuff. He gets the best out of his actors, though. Yeah. I mean, if you can get Punch Drunk Love performance out of Adam Sandler. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. This, is, this is an incredible run for this guy. Yeah, no, I mean, I think uh, he's one of our greatest working directors right now. Yeah, and, definitely. Uh, every one of his movies is worth at least me taking a peek at. Um, and and he's he got a break, basically, with, uh, you know, getting this studio to allow him, and I can't remember that woman's name, the, the one who runs that, that studio. Megan Allison. Megan oh, okay. Allison is the uh, is the one who gave him basically just carte blanche. Just said, "Hey, you're you're talented. Why don't you just make the movie the way you want to?" And so he's done that and the master under that. And I don't think he's has he done anything since Inherent Vice. Inherent Vice mm-hmm. is right. Inherent Vice is the other one, and I like Inherent Vice, but that is a movie that's very hard to get that's into. That's an acquired taste. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, I've watched that four times, and I don't think I've gotten completely into it yet. Like it's, it's, I like a lot of parts of it. But... Well, and that's I think part of what he was going for with that was to un- make it an unsettling experience. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah. Um. All right. What else in two thousand seven, guys? Let's talk about Zodiac. Mm-hmm. Another great one. Uh, David Fincher is also one of our greatest working directors today um and this comes before right before social network social network no yeah it's before yeah no i meant like after zodiac was that the next movie he made benjamin button was the next oh. movie. yeah i was about to say benjamin button sounds like all right so zodiac mm-hmm. i love this movie yeah so I love good this movie like you to, to take a, a serial killing case that was basically never solved and to give us the perspective, like basically our avatar in this movie is Jake Gyllenhaal, who's a cartoonist of all things mm-hmm. and finds himself, you know, going from mildly interested to basically obsessed and losing everything, trying to figure out who it was. Mm-hmm. But this is a great cast. You know, he's the main character, but Robert Downey Jr. is fucking awesome in this movie. Uh, Anthony Edwards from ER, Mark Ruffalo. Yeah. Uh, the guy from Drew Carey, who I never remember his name. <laughs> um, I love this movie, and it's it's a shame that when it first came out, I looked at the length, and I read the description, and I was a little disinterested, because uh-huh. it was another two, three years before I ever watched it. Oh, really? And and that was the experience that made me say, okay, I'm watching anything Fincher makes yeah. from here on out. I think this was a movie that Fincher, they wanted to come out with it earlier, but they ended up pushing it back, and there was a lot of talk about it being terrible, and there was a lot of talk about Fincher take, doing like 60 takes, and mm. everybody was like getting exhausted making the movie, and all this other stuff. And and so it had a lot of bad pub before it even came out. And when it finally did, man, everybody who watched it went, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> that's not what we usually see when we get that kind of bad publicity. Usually we get a train wreck. Yeah. This movie is amazing. 
And it's it's one of those, yeah, it's a it's something that's never been solved, but it has the balls to actually at the end of it say we think this is this person. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. And and that's what and, but there's so many tense scenes in this. Oh my gosh, when Jake, he goes to that guy's house yes. and slowly realizes he might be about to die. Oh my god. There's all I mean the way it's the way it's put out is it it looks like your typical horror movie setup. Huh, let me go go back in the room here and get this or whatever yeah. and like, you know, and like he keeps sneaking up behind him and all <laughs> sort of type of stuff. But uh, it's all there to just make you very unsettled and and everything. And yeah, you're right. Great cast, great mystery, great all that. So I, I yeah, a great movie. This is where you see Mark Ruffalo. I don't know if we've seen anything from him to this point to to where we would expect where he is now. Hmm. Um, but this kind of is almost predictive of something like Spotlight, or you know, certainly in the he's probably the best part of the Avengers movies at <laughs> times. Um, you know, he really comes forward in that is he just that that great it, it, i don't know how to describe it but like a ruffaloian <laughs> performance <you know? laughs> yeah he's, he's really great he's become one of my favorite actors now. yeah i really like that guy a lot and you're right because before this he had done stuff like the last castle and mm, in the he, cut <laughs> yeah he's not bad in that stuff yeah uh but he he wasn't great like he is here um so yeah, I mean, I just if you haven't seen this movie well, and you can get over the unsettlingness of it, he's good, and you can count on me. That was something uh, that's that, right. that earlier on that we saw with him. But yeah, we always saw him like sort of as a character actor and everything. He's never really carried anything, mm-hmm. but now you could you could conceivably see him like actually carrying a movie, oh, like yeah. a leading man type of guy. So um, yeah, really good. Mm-hmm. What else? What about knocked up? Knocked up. Knocked up. Knocked up. We can talk oh, about this and Superbad, a great summer for yeah. Apatovian comedies. <laughs> yeah, really really a great stretch uh, for this year and next in comedies in general. Mm-hmm. But uh, this was, yeah, this really, I mean, we had gotten into the Apatow stuff with 40-Year-Old Virgin and stuff like that. But this is really where, like, if you imagine, like, a Rocky montage where he hits the next gear, mm-hmm. you know? And it was huge. Yeah. It was enormous. And it had, of course, ha- Catherine Heigl and Seth Rogen, but it had a ton of character actors at the time. Yeah. They were super funny in this. Yeah. Like Kristen Wiig and Jason Segel, Jonah Hill. Like, it, oh, man. I know it got a lot of flack for how it treated women, you know, how the whole relationship with Catherine Heigl turned out and everything, but... I've watched this movie over and over and over again. I think I've it's seen hilarious. it a bunch. I've seen it. it has one of my favorite unexpected cussing moments in history when Cheat invites him out and he thinks he's gonna like get laid again and they're like eating and she's like, I'm pregnant and he goes, Fuck off. She's like, I'm pregnant and he's like, with emotion? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. It also was the inspiration for one of the running gags in an episode of Entourage where Turtle was just obsessed with the fact that she got together with this guy. Yeah, yeah, Catherine yeah. Catherine Heigl is getting together with Seth Rogen. You right. Know? And, uh, Which uh, caused a little f- uh, friction between yeah, them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Rogen was like, I'm glad I've never watched Entourage. Yeah. You know, that type Rogen of- doesn't seem like the kind of guy who's shy about his feelings. Mm. Like, he infamously called Justin Bieber a piece of shit. Yeah. And then, when begged, refused to go on that roast when Bieber wanted him to sort of make nice. I, I think you get on the wrong side of Seth Rogen, you may stay there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, aside from the fact that she probably shouldn't have come out and said what she said, mm. Catherine Heigl really isn't given the kind of funny stuff that all the guys are now it could be 
that she just wasn't game to do a lot of the you know uh improv improvisation yeah. and all that type of stuff because there are some times where you're just like eh, i don't know what if you really fit in this comedy <laughs> but she's right there's but like not- you have to have her character though to play off of that said leslie mann is a fa- amazing in yeah. this. <laughs> so i don't know what she's talking about yeah uh on that front leslie mann is freaking hilarious in this movie um just a just a ball of anger yeah. all the way through it <laughs> yeah you know and doorman doorman <laughs> and all that and then craig robinson with the, one of the greatest cameos ever yeah. he's, he's, he's i can't let you in you're old she's pregnant <laughs> i'm only allowed to let in three percent black people <laughs> that means if there's 25 people in the club it's like i forget what it's yeah, like yeah yeah he's like he's like i have to let in a let in one regular black guy and a midget or something like that like to get the percentage right I love what he's telling Leslie, man. He's like, I can't let you in because you old as fuck. Yeah. I mean, for this club, not for the earth. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and he yeah. even goes further. He's like, I would tap that ass. Yeah. I would, I would I would tear, tear that, that ass, ass oh. up. That's right. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's really funny. And I, and you're right. The only supporting characters that are in here, all by the way, most of them playing with their same name. Jason Siegel yeah. plays Jason. Martin Starr plays Martin. <laughs> you know, they have that that running thing with Martin Starr about you know in his beard, and they keep telling, <laughs> ripping on him for his beard and everything. You know, like you know, Scorsese on coke and, and uh, <laughs> big Taliban, <laughs> yeah, 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 and all that. And and uh, I do love that whole thing too, where they're like, I was watching Munich the other day, and like, oh, Munich, and he's like, he's like, most of the movie where the Jews are always the victims, but here we're capping motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of great stuff in that movie. Yeah, um, and then followed later in the summer by Superbad, which had Jonah Hill and uh, Michael Sarah, and uh, and that was another just that was a fun that's a fun like night movie. That's one that yeah. just all takes place in you know one night and everything pretty much, and mm-hmm. once everything gets going. Uh, but that's a that's really the star making performance for Jonah Hill. Jonah oh, yeah. Hill started blowing up after this because he's mm. just he's just very good at that doing that stuff i love raunchy high school comedies mm-hmm. I mean, we're gonna get into it after a while about like you know 80s comedies 80s high school comedies and they were all raunchy for whatever reason but like this is a return to form to that kind of thing i know we had mean girls and they had you know the return of the smart high school movie but this is just like balls out yeah as crazy as you could imagine oh <laughs> well yeah the whole blood on his pants stuff, yeah which is that's not funny in too many other movies right yeah. like that's mm. just gross <laughs> yeah but yeah this movie goes for it and i think it hits uh, yeah. it keeps me laughing all the way through yeah, yeah. it also brought uh, emma stone to most of our mm-hmm. consciousness too and she's very appealing very great and very good in this one and i can't remember the other girl that's in this she's really good too but she hasn't done oh, anything the one that says yeah she give you the blow best blow jay ever <laughs> i love um, the moment early in the movie when he accidentally punches her boob although if we're gonna give the movie shit in knocked up for a katherine heigl falling for a seth rogan an emma stone falling for a jonah hill is yeah. just as preposterous right i'm getting that for show yeah <laughs> <laughs> Well, By the way, her name is Martha McIsaac, if, you, okay. if, if we ever want to refer to that again. Well, uh, I think one of my favorite parts of this movie 
is the interactions between Bill Hader and Seth Rogen. Yes. yes. The police officers. This, this is another, I mean, this is sort of brought Bill Hader into yeah. it because Bill Hader is amazing in this. They're he's having a so very much fun. small role. Yeah. And, uh, and he's just fantastic. Yeah. I mean, they keep talking about like his wife that treated on, cheated on. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. It's like, you know, they, they take this, uh, McLovin is being just a surrogate for their feelings and they're pouring all this stuff on him. He's like, you want to shoot the gun? He's like holding it sideways. Like, ah! great. That, it also has that, that just that great line too from Christopher Mintz-Ploss who plays uh, McLovin where he's finally going to get some and the girl starts sucking on his fingers and he's like, I've got a boner. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you're right. The frank dialogue when they're able to just say whatever and not worry about like you know how how gross it may sound or what how outrageous it may sound. It's always refreshing. It's always great. Yeah, it feels like I mean because it was written by Seth Rogen and Evan uh, Goldberg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it seems like they probably in other takes probably went like 30% further. Yeah. <laughs> and like they found how to dial it back from all that stuff. Yeah. Man, it's fun. Uh, what else, guys? But Born Ultimatum came out. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, I've told this story before, but I'll tell it again for our new listeners. I saw this movie on my honeymoon. It was 112 <laughs> degrees in Tennessee in Gatlinburg, and we just wanted air conditioning. So I talked my wife into seeing this third movie in a trilogy she'd never seen the first two from. Uh she tolerated it, but when it was over, I turned to her and said, I immediately want to watch this movie again. <laughs> she said, no, let's go back to the hotel. Um, but uh, this this is the best Bourne movie, in my opinion. I know not everybody in this room agrees with me, but the and it's it's all that Waterloo Station scene in mm-hmm. the beginning mm-hmm. with the reporter and the cloak and dagger with the phones and to tying your shoe. And, and the Bourne movies hadn't given us anything like that. Very few movies have given us something like that. Every time I see that on... I click to it and hope it's at that scene because yeah. I just love it. That's one of the best scenes. I think that's the best scene in all the Bournes, definitely. Yeah. Um, even though I do like Supremacy better, Ultimatum has that one scene as far as it being the absolute best. only thing I didn't like about Ultimatum, and, and it really has nothing to – I mean, I don't think it's a bad movie because of it. It just feels like it is has rehashed everything at this point. Yeah. So it has that great scene and it has a couple of great action scenes in it, but it's also like, okay, is there really, it's really going deeper than what he's already yeah. found out about himself. And it just keeps going. Oh, there was another guy behind the guy who was behind the guy, yeah. you know? <laughs> And, it, and, you know, it starts becoming Umbrella Corporation for, yeah. <laughs> for, you know, the FBI or the CIA or whatever. That's interesting, actually, because I think we all like the different ones. Like, I think Identity is my favorite mm-hmm. and Supremacy and, and Ultimatum. And the reason that I like Identity so much is just for that, that it's not wrapped up in all this yeah. subterfuge and all that stuff. But it is great, though, and especially that scene that you were talking about. Yeah. Um, this was, of course, the year of the threequel. that's what everybody was calling it before the summer hit because it was it was all these like uh movies that were lined up in the summer that were the third of their and good god there were there were so many bad ones spider-man 3 was not good i i i don't I, I think a lot of people point to the emo scene but i point to the too many villains Ooh. in the movie as my reason for not liking it 
this was one of the rare occurrences where I actually got to see a world premiere. I actually witnessed the the crowd of a world premiere with Sam Raimi yeah. and all these other people and all that. And um, I remember they had like fourteen screens playing Spider Man three that night, and just and just everybody came out at the same time. And I was like, I was trying to see what the, I hadn't seen the movie yet, and I saw all these people coming out, and I was kind of like there was one woman asking her husband like what do you think <laughs> and i was like uh-oh this isn't because this isn't a good sign there wasn't much buzz really there was you know the usual crowd commotion yeah. and everything but and then yeah i saw sam raimi come out and the guy's like a he just looked like a poor bastard man. oh yeah he just like he looked exhausted well and it's it's sort of you know unspoken knowledge that they basically forced him to include venom in this movie yeah. which is one of the weaker parts it was he was totally miscast in that role um it's funny because when i first watched it the first 10 minutes or so where peter's going back on his scooter and then harry attacks him out of nowhere on the glider i was like i, mean, I still think that action scene is great mm -hmm. and i was like all right and then it just quickly devolves into how many villains we can squeeze in and mary jane in goddamn danger yep. again. yeah and i can't get it up for that anymore i'm right. sorry it was bad enough that you did it two movies in a row <laughs> but all three movies yeah. come on yeah when a movie has that many villains in it and it's three villains mm -hmm. it has to it it has to divide its time between all of them and it becomes just a mess after a while. That's the reason why you don't do that. And I know that you're like, okay, this might be our last shot to make a Spider-Man for a while. So let's put all these villains in, but that doesn't. No, that's not a good excuse. It's not a good excuse. Do you think that if they took Venom out, that this would be a, a good movie? Well, you could, I don't think you could just cut out what they did mm. but if you approach the movie that way yeah. and don't have uh, yeah i think it could have been great because yeah. i think thomas hayden church is good mm. um and maybe one of my favorite scenes in any spider-man movie is when he turns into the sandman yeah and, and we get this slow dialogue free perfect music um but, but yeah it just gets jumbled it just get you don't care anymore yeah. at a certain point yeah i mean this either should have been just sandman and they kick Harry to the curb for a, a movie yeah and let him come back on the fourth one or whatever just take him out man it's that I know that whole thing with Harry is just god awful yeah oh, except yeah. for the one scene that you yeah mentioned. forcing Mary Jane to break up with him and yeah then telling him while he eats the pie in the restaurant oh my god <laughs> losing his memory for half the movie so yeah. he can be in the movie without being a villain yet it's just ridiculous <laughs> and then you throw in yeah you throw in Venom and Topher Grace who's just you know I like Topher Grace, but he didn't need to be in this movie. No, no, no. And he didn't. And and he he's just an afterthought. Like it's just like something spills on him, and now he's Venom. And like that's like towards the end of the yeah, movie. Yeah, three quarters <laughs> of the movie. Like what? The, really? So. And then he does that famous. You hate the spider. Yeah. I hate the spider. Oh my god. It's <laughs> Let's so, have a literal team up conversation scene in this. So movie. <laughs> bad. So bad. Um. But also, Shrek the Third came out terrible. Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End. We've talked about that. Terrible. Oh. Um, and then there were, it was Rush Hour 3, and there was a few other threes that came out. But um, of all the sequels, did was Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix the best one? Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. I think so. Yeah. And we've talked about that movie quite a bit. I think that's the best Harry Potter, too. I agree. I, I, th I think I said Prisoner of Azkaban. Actually, Prisoner of Azkaban is my favorite, but this was right under it. Yeah, it's right up there. Just because of some very, very, like, tough scenes to get through. Like, like emotional yeah. 
scenes and everything. And the way it's done is so well. I mean, like, imagine, I mean, I had read the book, so I knew what was going to happen. But even I, even when I knew what was going to happen, hmm. it was tough because yeah. the way they did it. Yeah. And uh, and this is where Harry Potter starts getting really dark and, yeah. really, and better. And I saw it just a couple days ago. It was on HBO and I, I sat and watched it. And that it's not it's not just the Dumbledore Voldemort fight at the end, but it's that scene before that mm -hmm. when all of the order show up to save them from yeah. the Death Eaters, and that music's like, and I, I mean, I have always complained about I don't have any fucking clue who's doing what spell or how some how sometimes they have to say shit and sometimes they just wave their wand. It seems pretty fucking easy for Helena Bonham Carter to kill Gary Oldman, mm -hmm. and why she doesn't do that at any other point in the movie, I don't know. But <laughs> I was reminded on this viewing. That Ray finds cackle after he creates the fire dragon, mm -hmm. and that you hear the whoosh of the fire go up, and it cuts to him, and he's like, ah, 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 <laughs> and he's just got, he's so fucking evil, yeah. man, it's so good. <laughs> oh, I love I love this movie. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's it's just good stuff. It's thrilling. Yeah, and it has like it's the perfect crux because mm -hmm. you're right. It started getting dark after this, and got a little bit muddled and a little bit too dark and too kind of just uh, murky at times. And then we were still kind of full of wonder up until now. Mm -hmm. And this just is the peak of like where you get action and excitement and teenage hormones and all kinds of crazy stuff, family drama and all that stuff, just right in the middle there. Now it's real. It's mm -hmm. for the yeah. last four, uh, you know, four episodes mm -hmm. of Harry Potter. It's been like, la, 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 Quidditch. And, <laughs> and, and ex machina. And, yeah, ex machina. And like some, like, you know, like Tom Riddle is doing something <laughs> like all oh, that, that crazy Tom Riddle and his, and his riddles and his jokes and whatever. Like, it, it's just, it's like, oh, okay, well, yeah, that's Voldemort, but it's also kind of like, you know, like a tiny piece of mm. Voldemort, and it's like not, it doesn't seem serious up until this movie. Mm -hmm. um, what else, guys? Ratatouille. Yeah. I want to point out that this movie also had bad buzz because they got rid of the director and brought in Brad Bird, who'd mm -hmm. made The Incredibles. Mm -hmm. And you would not think, I think they even talk about this on the DVD extras, you would not think you could come into an, a computer animated project <laughs> late. And do enough to save something that might be bad. But apparently that's exactly what he did. Mm. I love this movie. This yeah. is a big fat home run for me. Patton Oswald is great. Brad Garrett as the ghost of G Gusto. Gusto. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, first the rat comes up and sees, oh, Paris. I've been under Paris this whole time. And he turns. And he's like, your restaurant? You led me to your restaurant? He's like, yes, I guess I did. There it is. I have led you to it. Um Janine Garofalo shines in this movie. Um, it's just charming as hell. And if you like food, I think, well, you don't even have to like food, but boy, well, it, it makes helps. food look good. <laughs> yeah. Animated. I've never wanted to eat an animated meal before watching this movie. Yeah. I mean, how do you get a story about rats? It, it's as child friendly of a premise as you could get, like a rat going into a famous Parisian restaurant and making this beautiful food. Uh, but man, like it's a, it's kind of an emotional movie though, too. It has you know, several of those, especially yeah. with the family and like, you know, where he comes from and everything and, and cooking straight to somebody's heart and the interactions with the chef and that, and his girl, 
Man, I, I this is very close to my favorite Pixar movie. When Anton Ego eats that ratatouille mm. and is transported yeah. back to his childhood, <laughs> that's as pure an emotional moment Pixar has ever done. Yeah. Like, you know exactly what's going on right there. That's perfect Pixar. I think they use sort of the same technique in Inside Out once they, they show the going into the brain yeah. and all the other type yeah. of stuff, uh-huh. that same kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, I was one when I first saw the trailer for this, I was like, what's Pixar doing? <laughs> what What is this? Like, this doesn't seem like, I don't know. Like they, they, they liked Wally and I liked, you know, but this is the stretch where Pixar is like about to make all just everything is great. Mm-hmm. You know, like th- this up Wally just in this section here yep. is as good as it gets. If they didn't have cars and even cars is, is like we said, good. This would be, it, it's already unprecedented, but that would be a streak of grand slams almost yeah. all the way up in here. Actually, yeah. Ratatouille started this, right? Wally was the following mm-hmm. year, but like it, it just, when I first saw this, I was like, this is where I feel like Pixar took a new step after Incredibles and, and everything. It was just, they, they're, they're just obviously on a new level. And I really did. Like, like I said, we had that conversation where I thought they were going to like make R rated movies yeah. at one point. You know, because they were making such adult type features. Uh, I like uh, I'd like to talk about Michael Clayton for just a brief. Oh, yeah. Um, Because this is one of those movies that I'm pretty sure you recommended I watch it, Mm. Chris. And I had I didn't know anything about it. And it's one of those movies. It's best to watch without really knowing much about it Mm -hmm. because it takes some turns you're not expecting. Just a really good drama crime kind of insurance fraud ish. Yeah, <laughs> um, but uh, it was one of the first times that I looked at George Clooney and said, "That guy might just be a great actor." He took, um, yeah, he took it up. He actually won the Oscar for Syriana uh, for Best Supporting Actor. But he, right around that point, he took his ability. He always had the charm and charisma, and exactly. all that stuff. But he really like took it up another notch. Up there. until now, it was Oceans and Out of Sight, where he was just relying on his own inherent cool. Yeah, uh, but. It was here where I was like, this guy's working. Like, yeah, he's yeah. really working it. And especially when you compare him with Tom Wilkinson, yeah. who's great in this movie. Oh, man, yeah. That that monologue where he's explaining what's going on essentially in his head. You know, I was in this great morass of amniotic fluid and everything, <laughs> you know. And uh, you're like, what the fuck is going on here? And he, he, he'll, he'll match that. You know, he's a, it's a great character. Um, this has also brought us, uh, in, brought into focus Tony Gilroy, who... Hasn't had a great directing career after this. He did... Um, the Bourne one with Jeremy Renner. He did Bourne Legacy, but he also did Duplicity, the Clive Owen, mm. Julia oh. Roberts movie, which I like, mm. but it was not very well received when it came out. But he's mostly known as a writer. He did the Bourne movies, and he's like got credits on Devil's Advocate and mm. Armageddon. Apparently, everybody <laughs> had, a, had a pass at Armageddon Jesus. at one point. Um but yeah, he. This is really good stuff, and I remember at the end of this movie, like once there's a like there's a big reveal or whatever, uh, like the crowd I was with cheering, like they were actually <laughs> clapping and stuff when that when that when Clooney shows up at the end. It's this is one of those type of things, and it's a great like little like you know final scene. Oh too. yeah, it's a stand up and cheer kind of moment mm-hmm. uh, for all that that guy's been through for sure. Yeah. Um. All right. What else? A couple of good westerns this year. Okay. 310 to Yuma. Oh, yeah. yeah. And The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward yeah. Robert Ford. Mm-hmm. Uh, two completely different kinds of westerns. Um, but 310 to Yuma would be my preference between the two. It's Christian Bale and Russell Crowe essentially 
having a drama off for the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Christian Bale is very morally centered and he's taken this job to help transport this prisoner to this other town for the 310 train to Yuma. Um, but of course, that guy's posse, led by Ben Foster, <laughs> who is horrifying. Yeah, yeah. another horrifying performance. <laughs> I am way more scared of him than I am <laughs> Russell Crowe. Uh, they're chasing down these people and... and hijinks and things occur along the way but uh it's just really riveting to me to watch i don't know how you guys feel about it i love it and it's better than the original too i've seen the original 310 to yuma uh the original is is still good it's like but the 50s i think they weren't you know as much as about excitement action and all that type of stuff uh that version the 310 to yuma has a lot of like really cool set pieces in it and everything uh it, that i remember i haven't seen it in, since it came out but i remember there being a lot of like really cool things in it and everything and i really enjoyed it yeah it's good you know what you can tell because russell crowe does a lot of movies and he does a lot of shitty movies too sure but you can always tell like when he knows he's in something good and he's <laughs> got that gleam in his eye yeah and he's got that here oh yeah he's got mm-hmm. that in this movie mm-hmm. where it looks like he's really having fun with this character yeah. you know yeah i think it's just if I were an actor, this would be a dream character to play yeah. because he gets to be charming, funny, menacing. He gets to have some action sequences. Um, but it's really good. The other Western that year was uh, the assassination of mm-hmm. uh, Jesse James, mm-hmm. which is Casey Affleck. is an actor I really, really like. But this is a I, I think this is a good movie, mm-hmm. but it is slow as molasses. Yes, it is. And if you don't have the patience for that, get out early yeah don't even start but i found it pretty interesting to watch brad pitt is in this yeah he's very good giving a very good performance uh, as jesse james um he's got that iconic poster with him posing with those low low slung guns and everything like that that's like probably peak brad pitt attractiveness what's crazy is that these two guys that killed him go on to do a reenactment stage play in new york city where they're playing themselves and killing Jesse James over and over and over <laughs> again every single night. And they're wearing all this weird early American like white face paint that they apparently had yeah. to put on actors. I don't know why. Uh, really interesting movie. I liked it. Um, also, after a really long time waiting for one, the Simpsons movie came out in yeah. 2007. Yep. And uh, I... I think most people like this movie, but it is it is at this point the Simpsons has been around since the Tracy Ullman show, 20 years at this point. Mm. And you can see the age of The Simpsons even in this movie. I mean, even by this point, a lot of people have stopped watching the show and all that. I stuck with it for a really long time, figuring I would just watch. Since I started with it, I'll just go ahead and watch the rest of it. And I've since stopped because I just can't keep up with it anymore. It's not nearly worth my time to watch it, but... Um, I think most people like this movie. I think it's okay. I think it's a funny movie for uh, for all intents and purposes, but mm-hmm. you can see the age. You, it did yield one of the best gifts ever of Homer going down in the sand, giving the double bird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. It almost makes you think about if the Simpsons had done this movie at the same time point as the South Park guys did their yeah. movie. Yeah. It would have been so much better. If they yeah. could have done it around season eight to ten. I think it would have been a grand slam. And I think the problem uh, for the longest time, it always was the problem, was that they had to spend so much time getting 26 episodes a season, mm. and and it that they just didn't have much time to get one done, especially in that heyday. They, well, and 
well, people forget. I mean, the voice actors are great, but mm-hmm. what makes this show are the writers. And in this, in the heyday we're talking about, they had Brad Bird and Conan O'Brien and Jennifer Crittenden, who wrote for Seinfeld. They mm-hmm. had all these heavy John Swartzwelder, who's yeah. like the 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 all time Simpsons mm-hmm. writer, basically. And Swartzwelder, I don't think he. I think he's like still a producer, but sort of in name only. Doesn't re- I don't know if he does much yeah. with it anymore. Well, Scott Simon is the same thing, right? Or Sam Simon. Sam Simon is the same thing. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, although, did was it Sam Simon that who died recently? Sam Simon. Was it Sam? Oh, Simon? did he really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, Sam Simon actually left the Simpsons a, a while back. I think he died of cancer. I think something so. like that. Uh, and and I actually heard an interview with him towards towards the end. I actually had to talk to him while he was on his like you know on his bed or whatever oh wow how bad off he was or whatever but um he they he was asked basically like what do you think of the simpsons now and he's like well uh i, I enjoy the checks that i get to cash <laughs> 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 you know but you but, remember in that 130th episode spectacular where they show sam simon and he looks like methuselah in the yeah. office he's like a 300 year old guy yeah they have uh they have the matt graining who's like get out of my office <laughs> um but uh anyway good uh it it was fun it just it was you just saw how long it had taken Mm. for them to get there and it 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 showed um 300 came out in 2007 Mm -hmm. uh a a divisive movie i think is it Uh, really maybe in this room i don't know i hate it oh i guess so then (laughs) um i i like it i think i liked it better when it came out than i do now but uh, I thought it was at the time. I didn't really, I didn't really care about the Zack Snyder slow motion stuff. I thought that was actually a cool thing. Right. Like th- we had never seen a movie that looked like this before yep. when it came out, and it that's what attracted audiences. It like looked really cool. Of course, now it's been copied a hundred million times. Like there's been so many movies that have tried to be three hundred. Mm-hmm. Including um, most of Zack Snyder's yeah, films. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, then, yeah, Zack Snyder started really just sort of dipping into that well on every movie. Yeah. And it sort of watered down this movie when you go and watch it again after all those other ones that have yeah, come Yeah, we even out. did a joke in the Sins video about if you if you took all the slow-mo in this movie and made it normal speed, this movie's done in like 40 minutes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's very right. <laughs> it's really egregious in its use of slow-mo. I get why it was popular. Uh, and you're right. It was the visual flair of the action that that we hadn't seen before, and now we've seen it. So everybody needs to stop doing it. Yeah, there was a <laughs> and there was a trailer that came out that had the nine inch nails and all that other mm-hmm. type of stuff, and everybody was like, "Whoa, what the hell's this? I gotta go see this." Well, also, it came out in what February or March. Yeah. yeah, and it it was completely unexpected. Like people just it had a visual appeal. Gerard Butler is is very compelling as a main guy, even though he's got a Scottish accent <laughs> yeah, in the middle yeah. of ancient Greece, <laughs> right. but. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it is it is a very cool-looking movie. Yeah. Um, what else? Should we talk a little Hot Fuzz? Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> Yarp. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this was another one of those movies, uh, like Zodiac. I just didn't catch the, the Edgar Wright m- movies when they were coming out. I came late to the party and kicked myself for it. This is by far my favorite Edgar Wright movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way that it... The way that it apes everything that it's talking about, uh, the way that it treads that line between paying homage and making fun of, um, and just the, the quaint 
little nature of this town uh, just pulled me right the hell in. And uh, there are a couple moments of shocking blood and violence. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, I really, really enjoy it. And I call this a comedy, right? It's definitely a comedy. Oh, yeah. I mean, and Simon Pegg plays the best straight man comedy that I've seen in a long time, mm-hmm. where just his by the book nature is hilarious. Like in almost all instances, it's yeah. funny, you know? Um, yeah, this is one of the funniest movies I've seen in the last 20 years, really. Yeah. It's it's one of those type of things. Uh, and a really fun kind of mystery involved yeah. in this because, you know, and I just, I love how the little innocuous things in here, which, you know, that they make fun of end up actually being part of the solving the mystery. Like, <laughs> you know, like when the, when the woman said something like, uh, says like, we're well, going to catch those killers then. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, he said, she said killers. Uh-huh. How does she know it's kill? How does she know it's more than one and all that? And then, you know, and Nick Frost is just like, you know, just plays it <laughs> off like whatever. And like, this is a slip of the tongue. Who knows? Who cares? They keep referencing, you know, things that come up earlier. Like when he, he's, he's going through the whole action movies and he's asking him all these questions. Like you ever fired your gun while yeah. flying through <laughs> the air? And like, you ever uh, emptied your clip into the air while screaming? Uh, you know? He's like, like no, I have never emptied my clip in the air and said, ah, <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, they end up doing almost yeah, all of those yeah. things. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and there's a you know and a, a fun little villainous turn from Timothy Dalton. Great villainous turn. And uh, and I also love the little the little jab at uh, Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet. Oh, that's in I this. love that so it's much. So fantastic because they <laughs> they break down into that cardigan song. Love me, love me. <laughs> and you see Simon Pegg like going, "What the fuck?" He's out in the audience. <laughs> and uh, but yeah, it's man. This is such a. I mean, how, how many movies maybe since Clue have yeah. have have had that kind of a mystery and comedy no yeah because it's it's a parody but it rides that line of being its own thing i mean they'll they'll watch point break like literally right in the middle of the movie and everything (laughs) and then they'll ape that particular thing but they do it so perfectly that it it stands on its own two feet it's very much like galaxy quest in that way yeah yeah and i love the music too and everything every time some big action beat comes up it's like (laughs) and with edgar wright's like camera work and all the editing that goes into these movies it's always getting you like just like yeah i'm like really into this movie and everything so yeah, I love hot. Fun. I love those Andy guys, the the detectives that are always wearing oh, sunglasses, yeah. even in the middle of like a rainstorm. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, like uh, the Patty Considine, who's like uh, the the main like asshole guy, or whatever. And like Simon Pegg's like you know because he's drinking something. He's uh-huh. like, you got a mustache, and it's like he thinks he means the real mustache. He's like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, also in 2007, I Am Legend, mm-hmm. a movie that is so different from the book that it's based on or the short story that it's based on that the I Am Legend title doesn't make sense anymore. Yeah, exactly. But still, this I is a good like movie. It. I liked it a lot. Um, now, it could be the dog mm-hmm. because that is a really, really good dog. It's a good dog. He runs on the treadmill with his owner. Um <laughs> Uh, it's Will Smith doing something we've never seen him do before, uh, acting wise, I think tapping into a little bit more talent than he'd been able to display in shit like Independence Day. Yeah. And whatnot. 
Um, and of course, if he doesn't if he doesn't have that kind of performance, then this movie completely falls flat. Uh, but he sells it, I think. The effects are a little wonky here. Yeah, and there. they are. They shot an ending that they didn't use that was far better than the one that they did use. Uh, but I find this to be a super watchable movie. I don't know about you. Well, the thing mm. about uh, Will Smith that you're talking about there is that it, it. I think every movie he had been in at this point was a, a vehicle to make him look cool yeah. and funny and all that. And, and we're selling Will Smith the brand here and all that. This one, like, yeah, this is a stretch where Will Smith actually starts showing that he's got real acting chops is this and, uh, and, uh, you know, pursuit seven of happiness, pursuit of happiness and seven pounds, which, mm. you know, is uh, <laughs> very like, you know, yeah. but yeah, I, I enjoyed this movie. I always, I mean, when you, it's, it's what we were talking about before post-apocalyptic movies and all this other type of stuff, you know, put a one guy in the middle of like a desolate city and all that. It's just instantly engaging. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Pulls you right in. It had me up until the CGI zombies showed up. And those effects were so screwy, even for that time, that they could have they could have just done better with that. You yeah, know? they blew their effects budget on making it look like a overgrown wasteland mm-hmm. and, you know, CGIing New York out of New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they just didn't have any money left for those things, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Biggest breakout hit of 2007 was Juno. Yeah. yeah, for a lot of people. Yeah, a little indie movie that sort of just built a word of mouth, uh, and then once it hit theaters, everybody went to that movie like it was one of the biggest thing, like the, an event. Um, I love Juno. Mm-hmm. I think it. I think it did get overexposed, but once you once you get removed from all that, and I saw this movie recently, uh, you just realize how what a what a funny. Oh yeah, and and touching movie this is. What a great cast of characters! Yeah, I mean Jason Bateman, Jennifer Garner, Ellen Page, Michael Sarah, and J.K. Simmons. J.K. Right? Yeah. Simmons, J.K. Man, Simmons. The like, best line in the movie is don't. when he's when he first finds out Juno is pregnant. He's like, "I'm going to punch that Polly Bleeker in the wiener." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a little bit of creepiness there with Jason Bateman yeah, and Ellen yeah. Page, as I think there should be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's clearly struggling in his marriage with Jennifer Garner and her her desire to have a kid. And like, I think a guy in that situation might find his eye drawn to somebody that at least shares his passion for this specific kind of music that I don't share, but they both do. So mm-hmm. it makes that work. Yeah, Jennifer Gardner plays not she she has a very good performance. In fact, maybe one of her best yeah. because. This could go over the top into super shrill um, yep. type of territory, but she does ground it enough to where, you know, by the end you're sympathizing with her and you really, really, you know, identify with her. There's a fantastic scene for her character in this when Ellen Page and her friend Olivia Thurlby are like looking down at the in the mall and they look down at her helping that kid out. Yeah, and you see how what a great mom yeah. she's gonna be and everything like that. Um, but, uh, this, you know, the scene that you're talking about, the, uh, Jason Bateman, Alan Page stuff, um, there's a great scene for Allison Janney after that too, where she comes back and she, and Allison Janney's like, what have you been doing? And he's like, well, I was hanging out with him all day. And he's like, you can't just go over there and like yeah. hang out and everything. He's like, why not? And it's like, you don't know anything about marriage, kiddo. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's, uh, it's super like just super funny and just entertaining. And I think it did get sort of like caught up in this, like, you know, well, it ain't that great type of thing. Once all the hype started, started going around and everything. But, um, 
it was a a script from Diablo Cody. Mm-hmm. Now she hasn't like made any she hasn't written anything since i don't think that's been like nearly as impactful as this she did jennifer's body and mm. all that but you know diablo cody's like script is just filled with pop culture references yeah. and stuff like that and some of that's gonna, gonna like over the years that's gonna age not gonna age very well but yeah, i guess she's i mean i guess a lot of the pop culture references in this though are already old enough yeah that like all the, the punk sort of, bands and everything. Yeah, they're yeah. not like current 2007 things and everything. But there's some really deep cuts in there. Yeah, <laughs> there are. There's stuff I didn't recognize. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, good movie. Good movie. Yeah. Jeremy had mentioned uh, Casey Affleck and the assassination of Jesse James. He was also in Gone Baby Gone. Yeah. yeah. And that's a movie I think we all love. Monkey wrench into the the what we're going to vote for, I think. Yeah. Is another, we, talk, we spent a good portion of the beginning of this talking about There Will Be Blood and, and No Country for All Men. Here's a movie that comes in. And it's going to be in the conversation. Yeah, I mean, what a what a turn for Ben Affleck. Mm-hmm. And I think I've said this to you guys before. There are scenes in this where it almost looks like Casey Affleck is Ben Affleck. Yeah. In this, yeah. And you know, it comes from being so tight as brothers and everything, and him directing it. But he plays everything in this so pitch perfect, man. He does a great protagonist. Yeah, when he needs to be street edgy, he can be. Mm. When he needs to be, you know, the opposite end of that, when he's babysitting the girl at the end, mm. uh, he's got a softer side. Um, this movie wrecks me every time I watch it because every time I watch it, I feel like he does the right thing, and then the movie punishes me for that by giving me that final scene to show that you know there's an argument to be made that that child is fucked. Yeah, and it's just. I, the performances all throughout are what make this. Uh, what's the name of the guy that was Man in Black on Lost? Titus, Titus Welliver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's great. Ed Harris is great. Mm. Uh, this is it's just, if you haven't heard us rave enough about this movie to watch it yet, you probably will never watch it. Uh, Amy Ryan in a oh my God. in a role that is. Oftentimes you're like, I feel sorry for her, but that's all when she's in front of the cameras mm-hmm. and everything away from the camera. She is a disgusting person. She yeah. is. She and, is. And, and she plays it with such relish. It's such a great, great performance. And, um, but yeah, here's another one that's got a great mystery to it. You know, it's like, like what happened? What is, and then, and then they give you an explanation and you're like, oh no, oh no. Yeah. And then, and then it's like, oh, wait, it's not done yet. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, and it's just one of those movies. I mean, and I don't know why. I mean, Ben Affleck, I think, got some kudos for this. But, I mean, even now when he's got movies coming out, they don't say from the director of Gone Baby Gone. It didn't do anything. I know that. It didn't do anything at the box office. But um, I would say this is, I love all of his directorial movies, but this is his best this work. This is easily mm-hmm. the best one yeah. he's done. And uh, it's frustrating to see the trailers for the new one and see, you know, from the director of Argo. Yeah. Like, all right, Argo won the Oscar. Yeah. I really enjoyed Argo. But he's he was at the top of his game right out the gate. Yeah. And then, like, I was watching this the other day, and even that last scene after Amy Ryan's gone off for her date with the guy who saw her, Meredith Vieira, um, <laughs> and Casey's on the couch with the little girl, and the camera's over here in the left corner of the room, and the last shot, it's just slowly sliding to the right until we're directly over the TV they're looking at, mm-hmm. and it hangs, and it goes to black. Yeah. And you're just like, you know, some people, some actors jump into directing maybe at the wrong time, uh, but you can tell that Ben Affleck has been making his own choices is what he'll be as a director for the last 15 20 years when he's been an actor and so he's just completely assured of everything that he wants 
Uh, it's a very confident movie. Wow. You know, I guess he probably jumped into directing about the same time that Mel Gibson did, like in his career timeline. Sure. sure. Maybe that's like the sweet spot of, I guess, maybe like mid-30s-ish or so, early 30s. Well, you could even point at Costner when he did Dances with Wolves. Yeah. It was right about the same place. A lot of actors have tried to direct. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a few, and for whatever reason, Kevin Spacey jumped into my head. <laughs> like, he did the Albino Alligator, <laughs> Albino alligator. <laughs> which wasn't a good movie at all, but yeah. you could see some things in there where, like, he really wanted to do that shot, and uh, he really wanted to yeah. do that, or whatever. But I think a lot of times, like, I really want to direct. Well, here's Albino Alligator. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, I don't know. It's uh, You're right. Sometimes I think they go in because they just want to try it, mm-hmm. but then some other people are like, have been thinking about this for years. And they've, I think a lot of times they're probably like many directors on the set anyway. Yeah. You know, like I'm sure Costner has many times like on as an actor on a set and said, why don't we do it this way? And they just kind of do what he says or whatever, even though he's not the director of the movie. Um, But man, Gone Baby Gone, if you haven't seen that movie. That would be, I guess, the recommend out of this. If For you me, haven't it would seen be. That. Every single thing about it is is perfect. I just love it. And it'll break your heart, uh, but give you hope. Yep. And uh, one of the most uncomfortable scenes in all of movie history is when he goes to that house. Oh, yeah. To sell cocaine and finds this child molester guy Oh, my there. God. Uh, very difficult three or four minutes of film there, but I think super important to the development of that character mm-hmm. and then ultimately the the revealing of the mystery because it's out of the fallout of that event is where he picks up a clue that puts him on the right path uh, yeah just go watch it please mm-hmm. this was uh the year of grindhouse yeah yeah um i actually watched this I started this movie at midnight in my theater that i was working oh, at in wow. new york oh, wow. so i saw planet terror you know, and and death proof all in one night, and I had Jesus. I had a had a little you know throng of employees that were in there watching it and everything, and and some of them were like, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna stay for the whole thing. And they got <laughs> through Planet Terror, and it was like, all right, I gotta <laughs> gotta go. And what they and and I don't know if they would have if they sat around, they would have enjoyed Death Proof. I love Death Proof. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I think a lot of people look at this as Tarantino's worst. Mm um i if if it is his worst it's still better than most movies um it's just this the dialogue is very rich in this it gets me into a mood when i watch it um and uh i i love it i know that you know and i remember seeing something uh a few months ago and i think i may have even mentioned this on a previous podcast I saw a thing on the internet that said, Tarantino says, Death Proof, got to be the worst movie I ever made. (laughs) And I went and looked at the video that he was on and it said, he said, I just want to make a, you know, a certain amount of movies. And in fact, he just came out and said, I'm going to make two more movies. Uh, I want to make this certain amount of movies and, and, uh, and, and just say, Hey, top that. And it's like death proof out of that group has to be the worst movie I've made out of that Mm. group is basically what he, what he meant. Hmm. He didn't say death proof got to be the worst movie I've ever made. Terrible. (laughs) You know? Uh, but, uh, but I love it anyway. No, there's, there's a lot more to chew on in death proof than just like, an actual grindhouse movie Mm -hmm. and you can't get more disparity between those two filmmakers of robert rodriguez and quentin tarantino than those two movies because planet terror is a very robert rodriguez schlocky (laughs) zombie thing yeah and this is uh death proof is is unexpectedly i wouldn't call it rich but richer than you would expect from that kind of thing 
Yeah, I, I saw them both once, and they didn't really move me, but I don't have, like, a head full of negative thoughts about them to say. I just didn't really like them that much. Mm. I don't know why. I, I just enjoy I just enjoy Kurt Russell in the beginning. of. Uh, actually, really, just the way they set up that whole first half of Death yeah. Proof. The second half is not as good as the first mm. half. Uh, but the the first half, Kurt Russell is just enjoying every minute of it, and you can see you can see it in his performance and everything. But that'd be another recommend if mm-hmm. if you haven't given Death Proof a chance, I would give that one a shot. What else, guys? Almost as good as Death Proof is Atonement. Ah, yeah, a movie that should have been called Sadness the Movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can see this as well shot with good performances i don't think i ever want to watch this movie or a movie like it again <laughs> it is just depressing as yeah. fuck and i i i know this is based on a, a book i think mm-hmm. um i think it might play better much like the lovely bones might play better as a book than a movie because i i don't think i'm ever going to wake up and go i just want to be really shitty sad for the yeah. next three hours i'm going to pop in atonement and see some people get fucked over yeah <laughs> uh but it got all kinds of acclaim and awards and i know lots of people love it i don't know how you guys feel it's got a great score i haven't seen it since it came out um i know that this is another great kira knightley performance mm-hmm. and, and james mcavoy is good too and uh and 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 really kind of shows the talent of i believe it's shirsha ronan well, um, I'm nice. not going to try and say it. Um, wow. I believe that's how it's pronounced. Who's in the Lovely Bones? Who's in the Lovely Bones? <laughs> she's great. I think she's fantastic. She's a great actress. Like yeah. you can see it even as 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 you know in her early age that she is. And I think once she's starts getting good adult roles and everything, she's going to be more like Brooklyn. Brooklyn was fantastic. I still haven't seen that. She's great in it. Yeah, mm. and I, I just I just think she's awesome. So I can't wait to see what she does in the future. But uh, but yeah, I haven't seen it since it came out, but I remember being, eh, okay. I like mm. that, okay. There's yeah. a big isn't 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 doesn't Atonement have this big long, like uncut, unbroken shot on mm-hmm. a beach? Mm-hmm. That's one of the big things about an atonement that people looked at was was, you know, it you know, it did have some sort of that director's flair. I think Joe Wright is the guy. I think you might be right. Joe Wright is the name mm-hmm. of the guy. Uh he he did that big long unbroken shot and everybody's like, "Okay, we're, we're uh, watching something <laughs> on the next level here." Uh unbroken shots don't always mean the movie's yeah. great. Anyway, what else? Can we talk about Persepolis? <sighs> Love this movie. That this movie's incredible. Yes it is. This is one of the most impactful movies I've seen in the last 20 years probably. Yeah. Um it's it's deep it's very unsettling. Uh, it's a story about uh, a woman that grew up as a girl in, in Iran during the Iraq-Iran War in the 80s, and which doesn't sound like a lot of uh, you know good fodder for like entertainment and everything. It's animated. It's animated, and it's animated in a very unique way, too. It's black and white when they're in Iran, and then it's color when she's out of uh, Iran. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it's during the whole Islamic Revolution and everything, and... It, it finds moments of humor in there that are absolutely hilarious, uh, even set upon that backdrop. Um, when she is a kid, she is the most precocious kid ever. I yeah. mean, she says, you know, my goals one day are to shave my legs and to be the last prophet in the galaxy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And oh, man, you feel it's it's a true story. Uh, she actually directed it. It's uh, Marjan uh, Satrapi. 
And man, it, it makes you feel every emotion and deeply. Uh, I've not seen it. I've got to put this one on my list, I guess. It's a huge recommend. Okay. Yeah, this is another this is another movie I haven't seen since it came out, but I remember watching this in the theater and I really, really enjoyed it. And I haven't seen it since, unfortunately. Mm. I know I'd want to see it again because I believe I put this in my top 10 that year. Yeah, well, it it, it should be. It yeah, was, I think so. It's an amazing movie. It is. Um, have we talked about Transformers yet? Nope. No. Because we kind of should. Yep. We should. Because it started a thing. It did. <laughs> a and, big thing. And this new Transformers movie is going to have King Arthur and Winston <laughs> Churchill mm -hmm. and Stonehenge in it. It's Bill yeah. and Ted's Transformers. <laughs> yeah. And uh, can't wait for that. Yeah. But this first one, I kind of liked. Um, I don't think... Okay, they're all overblown. John Turturro's terrible in all of them. They're all filled with stupid, shitty attempts at humor, like the giant robots hiding in the backyard of a house and mm -hmm. no one ever sees them. Uh, but I was such a Transformers fan growing up as a kid that seeing, quote unquote, live action giant robot Transformers fighting, mm -hmm. uh, it did it for me. And this was in an era before Shia LaBeouf had started annoying me. Yep. <laughs> and uh, I think he was even kind of charming back at this point. Mm -hmm. Um it's definitely the least offensive of them all. Am I, am I right in saying that? Oh, yeah. You are absolutely so. correct. Yeah. And for 20 minutes of this movie at the beginning, I'm with you. Okay. I think it's got some pretty good suspenseful stuff at the beginning when they first hit, the, hit, hit you know, Earth and everything. Yeah. And I was actually sitting there going, I can really see the Spielberg influence in this movie and everything. Mm -hmm. Maybe Michael Bay's reined it in, blah, blah, blah. And then <laughs> after that, it's Michael Bay movie through and through. <laughs> Robot porn. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, it is, it is way better than the ones that follow it, for sure. No doubt about that, hands down. <laughs> um huge hit though made a lot of money yeah it was third domestically that year yeah um so i'm gonna run down some other ones and we can we can talk about them in length uh whatever if if you want to really enchanted was oh, yeah. a movie that came out in 2007 really enjoyed enchanted i didn't think i would but i really enjoyed it. i really enjoyed it as well they're gonna make a sequel they just announced oh yeah and this was not her first movie, but this was Amy Adams is going to be a star. Um, and she co has gone on to be exactly yeah. that. Uh, but she's so funnily clueless in this movie. Mm -hmm. It's basically your basic fish out of water story. Um, but I, I find it really charming. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really enjoyed it, too. Um, also, uh, Ridley Scott finally directed denzel washington an american gangster he had done it, tony scott had collaborated with him like five times or something yeah. now he's got ridley scott on this american gangster seems like a big miss for me yeah, yeah i totally agree with you i agree i agree you got russell crowe you've got denzel you've got the right subject matter what went wrong yeah it's just never quite as exciting it focuses almost exclusively on russell crowe's family drama and yeah. his court cases yeah. and custody <laughs> battles and whatnot and we only get that one really cool scene of denzel in the restaurant where he gets out and walks across the street and he kills a dude and yeah. comes back and keeps eating yeah uh, but yeah it's a miss for me on paper that looks like <laughs> the best movie ever made uh -huh. And it just, man, I remember watching this going, when is this going to get good? <laughs> oh, it doesn't. Never. Yeah, I mean, he's charming all the way through. This, to me, is equates to Public Enemies. In a, mm. in oh, yeah. In yeah, a same way. Everything on paper should be perfect. Depp playing Dillinger, Michael Mann and everything. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, just a just a big miss. But it's watchable, but not pleasant. Yeah. yeah there you go. <laughs> um, 
possibly Tim Burton's last watchable movie, Sweeney Todd. Mm-hmm. I like Sweeney Todd quite a bit. Never saw it because I had already given up on Burton at that point. Oh, really? Yeah, it's it's fun. I mean, uh, Johnny Depp, actually, this is maybe the last best Depp performance. Um, yeah. Is, he's, he's playing his typical under pounds of makeup and wigs, Tim Burton character. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, everybody has a good voice the songs are fun the play is good yeah music's fun mm. very violent yep and that's you know that's i guess the uh, sort of the the translation from the actual musical too it's like super violent like i was talking about the jersey, <laughs> the jersey girl, girl thing where ben affleck's watching it and everything and he just jaw drops <laughs> when he sees how violent it is but um yeah i enjoyed that quite a bit uh what else um oh well i do want to talk a little bit about mr brooks Oh, oh yeah. yeah, which was an unexpected pleasure for me oh, to watch. Love uh, Mr. Brooks, because at this point I'd given up on Costner because mm. he was making a bunch of bullshit, and uh, this movie comes out and just really, really wowed me. Uh, it's basically y- you see a series of killings from the perspective of the serial killer, who's Kevin Costner. You also see William Hurt, his imaginary friend that talks to him and, and signifies that he's got a mental illness that sort of drives this. Um, you've got. Um, Dane, Cook, Dane Cook, Dane Cook, yeah. In in a, well, I think he's perfectly cast in this role mm-hmm. because he's a little bit manic, he's a little bit annoying, uh-huh. uh, and he basically, if you don't know the movie, he basically witnesses a murder early on and tries to get Mr. Brooks Costner to show him the ropes about killing, mm-hmm. uh, and where it goes from there, I'll let you discover if you watch it. But it's short, sweet, kind of mysterious you don't really know where it's going or how it's going to end i enjoyed it a lot yeah i really i really enjoyed this and uh I tried to get as many people to watch it as possible when uh when it came out but just to no avail and and there was even talk with kevin costner at the time that they were going to make sequels to this wow mm. if they had made, i would watch that yeah it's a perfect perfect series of like if you know it had done well it would have been a perfect series of i movies. love william hurt in that movie because he can't impact anything except costner's state of mind so when costner realizes the blinds are open and william hurt's like that's a really big mistake for you (laughs) (laughs) yeah Um, so judging also eastern promises came out uh uh, and this is a movie that got a lot of hype this was david cronenberg again with vigo mortensen Mm -hmm. um I think it got more hype than I was I, when I watched it. I, I, I think it fell a little flat for me. Uh, that naked fight the, the, is pretty awesome. But I was about to say the naked fight <laughs> is is yeah. Vigo Mortensen's in a sauna basically, and, and they try and kill and him. they try to kill him, and he's like has no no clothes on during the entire fight. <laughs> yeah, and it's pretty awesome. It is awesome. Yeah, <laughs> even if they had clothes on, it's a very very good fight scene. But a history of violence that came out prior mm-hmm. is a better collaboration of these two people i think yeah and 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 in eastern promises is a good movie i just thought it one of those movies where just like everybody universally was like yeah this is awesome and yeah. then then you kind of watch it and your expectations are are dropped a little bit yeah what a weird career for vigo morton yes i mean you, you can't pin him down with anything because his characters couldn't be more different with the same director from history of violence to this in history of violence, he's like engaging and he's really personable for the first half, at least. Mm-hmm. And with this, you know, it's it's totally different. Um, but yeah, he's mercurial. Yeah, say. yeah, yeah. Nice. Um, mm-hmm. Ocean's thirteen was made basically because Ocean's everybody hated Ocean's twelve. <laughs> yeah, they, and it, if you hated Ocean's twelve, and I know you like it, yeah. But if you hated it, uh, it does get back to 
what you liked about Ocean's Eleven. Yeah. It's just much like you were saying about Born Ultimatum. There's a very been there, done that kind of feel to all of Ocean's 13 to the point where you're, you know there are so many whammies coming. You're not whammied by them anymore. Yeah, yeah. But it's a slick, fun ride if you like the first or second one i think you'll probably like it <laughs> i just lo- i love al pacino's line reading where he's like i don't want to hear about the labor pains i just want to see the baby <laughs> <laughs> oh man well, they, they torture the hell out of poor David Paymer in this movie. Yes, they do. Uh, but and he's up God for bless it. him. And it's, yeah. got, it's got that great, like, they're, uh, uh, Scott Kahn and, and Casey Affleck are, are like, in Mexico, <laughs> and, they're, and they're making those dice yeah. or whatever, and, like, they get caught up in the labor dispute that's going <laughs> yeah. on down there, and they're, like, even, like, with the workers at the end. Throwing, <laughs> throwing stuff <laughs> and everything. But, yes, David Paymer has run through the ringer yeah. in this. And it's very fun to watch because everything is just so unreasonable yeah. for him. And I, uh, but he gets a, he gets a payoff, gets a payoff yeah, at yeah. the end. Um, the Mist. The I mist. don't know of a movie that has divided more people when they watch it. You either love that ending, which I do, yeah, or you hate that ending. It drives it drives me crazy. I actually love it, but it drives me absolutely insane. Yeah. Uh, which I guess is the mark it of a good It does feel ending. like they give up a little bit too soon. Way soon. Like, they aren't even, like, hungry yet. They're not <laughs> yeah. even, like, you know, they haven't even gotten to the point where, like, there's just no hope. They're just like, well, I guess there's nothing else for us. Oh. But, like, and it's not, and you know, it's not, the Stephen King book just is open-ended. It just says, mm. well, there was a mist, and it's still there, and, mm. you know, it's sort of how it ends. This one adds a little something. Yeah. And uh, this is Frank Darabont, again, doing yeah another stephen king uh thing but i enjoy the mist i do too i think it, i don't know about the book but i think it goes a little heavy-handed with the marcia gay harden christianity angle yeah. where she's literally trying to convert everybody uh but that being said I, f- I found it super watchable especially coming on the heels of so many stephen king adaptations that were not watchable in the least yeah uh julie Taymor did a movie called across the universe which mm-hmm. Um, is very visually appealing. It uses all these Beatles songs yep. and everything. I don't know if I ended up super liking it, but it is. Vi- I give it high marks for being the way it is. It's it's a it's just a very visually entertaining movie. No, I I totally agree, and and the music is is terrific too. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, it doesn't like emotionally. Let me connect. ask you this: Never saw this movie. Um, uh, trailer made it look like a hour and a half long music video. Is there even dialogue in this thing? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. I it mean, felt like there was not even going to be a story. It was just going to be images and music. It's It starts off, it's basically just hippies against the Vietnam War, and then one of them decides he's going to go to war and all that. As and, hippies are wont to do. Right. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, Jim Sturgis, who's in yeah. a couple of movies like around this time. I don't know if I've seen him in much since. Yeah. Um, but Evan Rachel Wood. Yeah, I was going to say, Evan Rachel Wood's in that. Yeah. Um. Danny Boyle came out with a movie called Sunshine. What do you think of this movie? Love Sunshine. I love this movie too. <laughs> Dude, it's one of the, like, look, sci-fi concept like this, I'm there. I'm yeah. just, just give it to me. I'm yeah. there. The other day I was, I saw an article 
one of those clickbait Facebook articles that said something like, you know, uh, top 10 sci-fi movies you've never heard of or whatever like that. And I realized I've seen every one of those. I was going to say, it's probably like <laughs> Solaris and Sunshine. Moon. Yeah. Moon. Um, it, it, and actually, I don't think any of those, but it was it was sitting there. I was sitting there reading it just going, okay, well, I've seen that. It's pretty, you know, I mean, pretty normal sci-fi uh-huh. movie. But but uh, but Sunshine, I love this one. very. I mean, a lot. It's just, you just give me, the, give me that all yeah. the time. It's Danny Boyle doing an, an Armageddon movie, basically. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm good with it. You know, yeah. this was a good year for two directors we've praised for their diversity in styles and topics. Because James Mangold did 310 to Yuma. Mm-hmm. That's the guy who's directing the upcoming Logan Wolverine movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, he made Copland. And Walk the Line. Heavy. He just made all kinds of different films. Danny Boyle's the same way. Danny mm. Boyle's made sweet movies about kids finding money. He's made the, <laughs> the Slumdog Millionaire. Yeah. He made fucking Train Spotting, which is almost revolting to look uh-huh. at. Um, so I'm always impressed when I can see somebody genre hop like that. And yeah. It's, it's a good year for that. Yeah. Um, the sequel to 28 Days Later, 28 Weeks Later yep. came out. Some people think this is even better than the first one. Yeah, I hear that a lot. And I really loved this movie, too. I don't know if I like it better than the first one, but I... I I think it's at least on par. Who's in this one? Um, this was Byrne? Jeremy Renner is in it. Rose Burns. Okay. In it. Yeah. I did like this one a lot. Um, Robert Carlyle for a yeah, second. Robert Carlyle for a second. <laughs> um, and, uh, oh, was it, uh, Imogene Poots is, oh, one, yeah, is one of yeah. the uh, is yeah. I'm gonna find out that there's some sort of like uh like like British spelling or whatever, and it's supposed to be pots or or poots or no, something like poots. that. It's gotta be poots, yeah, yeah, right? It's gotta be right. Um, I want it to be poots. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah, I do too. <laughs> Jesus. Poots, poots, poots. She's an attractive woman, too. She is. Um, Not that kind of duty. Michael Haneke remade his own movie, Funny Games. Oh, yeah. Did you see this? I did see this. This was a uh, super good-looking kid is in this. The oh. blonde guy. Michael Pitt. Michael Pitt, yeah. yeah. And they terrorized Naomi Watts uh-huh. all the way through it. Yeah. I, 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 For whatever reason, these are uncomfortable to watch, but it's like this and Hard Candy. Yeah, I like it. I don't know yeah. why. Like it's it's. I'm it's with interesting you. To me. Like I watched this and I was like, man, this is so oh, it's so disturbing. I think I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> well, and Tim Tim Roth is in this too, right? Uh, yes, he is. Yeah, and I I usually like most of the things that he's in. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Um, not the worst Die Hard, but uh, Live Free or Die Hard <laughs> came out, rebooting the Die Hard franchise for worse. Oh yeah. Um. And I remember when this came out, I, I, heard, I saw a lot of people who really liked this movie. But this is officially where John McClane is no longer an everyman. He is a superhero. superhero. And and I and I, I think you lose a lot in Die Hard when you make John McClane, you know, somebody who can survive all the fucking stunts that are in this movie and everything. A lot of people like Timothy Oliphant is mm-hmm. in his little villainous turn in this, but Oh my God, I, I hated this movie so much. And it would take a good day to die hard for me to unseat this one as the worst die yeah, hard. Yeah, it's one of the few series that gets worse, worse with every movie. Yeah. Um, like, I think you like With a Vengeance maybe yeah. more than two. Um, uh, I think I like, I think they're in descending order. 
like mm. like all five of them. Okay, good. That's what I think. Um, but I, I think I like Die Hard with a Vengeance more than most people. Yeah, I think you do. I think that's what it is. Um, I just enjoy the little the Jeremy Irons and all the little games he plays yeah. in it and whatever. But by the way, that was never a die. That was one of those we were talking about a couple podcasts ago. That was a completely different script called Simon Says about some yeah. action movie, and they co-opted it nice. to be a John McClane adventure. Right. Anyway. Right. Um. Mike Nichols came out with Charlie Wilson's War. Yeah. This is a good movie and another great Philip Seymour Hoffman. He's got three this year. Yeah. And uh, and uh, this is one that if you if you want to see Philip Seymour Hoffman at his like just absolute like, I don't know, manic best, he plays a character that is such a hard ass in this and everything. And he's got this great little speech where he's yelling i i just i love him so much in this another little good tom hanks movie too uh -huh. but uh but yeah i mean i love charlie wilson's one it was written by aaron sorkin too yeah yeah, yeah. so there's a there's like heavy hitters that's in this pretty thing. good pedigree yeah um i now pronounce you chuck and larry um <laughs> <laughs> uh, we should probably say something about paranormal activity yeah because it did spawn a little micro franchise although mm -hmm. is paranormal activity more of a i for whatever reason thought this came out later yeah it came out in 2009 but they had they had this is one that just sort of went around the circuits or whatever like remember they they got people to vote whether this would get into theaters or not oh i don't remember that yeah this was a big like thing they they would show an ad for it and it said, do you want to see this in theaters? And people were like, well, I see all those people freaking out in the auditorium on your on your ad. So, yes. Well, that was a fantastic ad campaign. Yeah. And it was one of the first ones, I think, that ever did that. That yeah. just turned the camera on the audience night vision and showed you people freaking the fuck out. Not yeah. what was on the screen. Right. Uh, and that was very effective. And now they do that all the time. Yep. Like yep. every horror movie seems to do that. Uh, I'm willing to talk about it as a 2007 movie, though. If I you think want I've to. said everything I want to say about it. <laughs> whatever mean, year we talk but about it's, it, it was the I think it was the first movie that really broke out in the found footage thing after Blair Witch Project. Yeah. A lot of people sort of said, "Well, there were so many, uh, there were so many uh, copycats after Blair Witch," and I was like, "Which ones are you talking about?" Yeah, there's not wasn't very many, and uh, and then this comes out and it finally sort of brought it back. And now, like after this, this is where it really like every like almost every horror movie it seemed like yep. was coming out had this kind of um, you know found footage thing mm -hmm. going on for it. But uh, I enjoyed the first one. I actually probably enjoy a couple of sequels more than more than normal. But I am fucking tired of trickster demons. Yeah, man, those fucking <laughs> demons got way too much time on their hands. Yeah, I, I'm. I just I'm done with those fucking things. Um. <laughs> 30 Days of Night came out. Not good. What about The King of Kong? Oh, we should talk about that. Love King of Kong. <laughs> Love this, it. You cannot squeeze any more drama or comedy or tenseness from a documentary than this. Yeah. Especially about a classic video game. Well, yeah. has there ever been a documentary character that felt more like fiction than this Billy <laughs> yeah, guy? Yeah, exactly. He feels like a mustache twirling old west, you know, cigar chomping... But that's a real dude. Yeah. He's really that. Oh, man. My I had my coworker hounded me for like three weeks until I finally just broke down and watched this movie. And I was like, yep, you're right. I'm an idiot. I should have watched this a long time ago. So fascinating. You will learn everything you need to know about Donkey Kong yeah. in this. 
Um, and, and I, I remember playing the game as a kid. I had no idea that there were that many levels and that it would just end on it. Like just didn't have an ending. Yeah. You had just had to get to the screen. That was yeah. the ending. Uh, if I had known that as a kid, I probably wouldn't have played it as much because it's <laughs> like the, cause I would have been actually, I may have played it way too much. If I'd known that I just got to get to that end screen. Yeah. Like I'd always get to two levels and I'd die because <laughs> the game is so fucking hard. Yeah. yeah, it is. But the, the, one of the best, like this is a great moment where you have the main guy that they're following around has, has beaten the Donkey Kong record or whatever. And then this dude sends in a videotape yeah. of him breaking that record <laughs> and nobody's there to witness it. And everybody's kind of like, there's a, like a seam here in the video where it looks like it's like he could have stopped it and changed the numbers yeah. and everything. And there's, you know, there's all that, like, I mean, and over Donkey Kong, there's this big you know like controversy yeah. and everything yeah. and everything. it's a oh it's a fantastic documentary yeah. um i love it yep uh, another uh stephen king adaptation 1408 came out another oh, yeah. really good yeah that's fun this it's trippy. a fun movie yeah. man um it's a it's a it's the trippiest horror movie i guess i've seen in a while like yeah. it really messes with your head i it, thought it was a prequel to 1492 oh yeah <laughs> you need to, 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 to before there was a 1492 <laughs> we had to go back 84 years we have to go back <laughs> uh B-movie? Jerry Seinfeld tries to voice a character in a DreamWorks animation picture. Not yeah. good at all. No, poor Seinfeld. I yeah. wish he'd have done another one. He's got <laughs> it in him somewhere, but I think he got burned on this one. Yeah. Wes Anderson's The Darjeeling Limited, which I believe uh -huh. is his worst. Yeah, I, I like it more than most. I think yeah. The Life Aquatic is, is his worst by far. Uh, this is, a, for whatever reason, I have like a fascination with India, mm -hmm. and this, to a lot of gringos like us, like India is just so uh, not in our perspective at all. And this really gives you the Indian perspective, I mm. think, and, and makes it beautiful and makes it lush and everything. The story's thin. It relies heavily on the visuals, but the leads are good. Adrian Brody and Jason Schwartzman and Owen Wilson are all you know, very believable as these brothers that are going to see their mom. And I think it's it's interesting enough to to give it a look. There's one part I remember from this movie. I haven't seen it since it came out, but uh, <laughs> there's a part where they're walking like out in the country or whatever, and they see some kid drowning in the river or something like that. Mm -hmm. and Or they see a couple of people drowning or whatever. And Owen Wilson, they just, the camera goes over to him and he points and he's like, look at these assholes. <laughs> 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 and they go and save them or whatever um it, it was one of those things i was just kind of being lulled by the movie and then and then that happened and you're like whoa where'd that come from um a movie called once came out did you guys see that mm -mm. glenn hansard um oh this was the irish thing right yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. where they're like sort of like it's, it's basically a musical almost uh -huh. yeah, yeah. they're just gonna play music there's like a whole long scene where they're in like a store yeah. playing what playing the song that i got nominated yeah for an Oscar. it was a huge song yeah yeah um but uh I, I remember i mean this is one of those i felt like it got a little bit more praise than it should have because it's not like like it's not like something like a great movie but mm. it's just got good songs in it mm -hmm. and it's it's you, you just kind of dig it when yeah. you're watching it uh let's see what else the number 23 <laughs> 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 um, i'm seeing it everywhere uh disturbia 
Yeah. I, uh-huh. I know that you love Disturbia. I like Disturbia a lot. It is a clear, obvious rear window ripoff mm. modernization. Uh, but again, Shia is not annoying yet at this point in his career. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, you got David Morse as the mysterious next door neighbor. Did he or did he not kill somebody? And this guy's on house arrest and can't really leave to find out and that's it's just short simple sweets not trying to do anything too great and it doesn't but i, I think i was it. so pissed off about it being a rear window ripoff that i didn't give it a chance yeah. i think it's a lot better than i, I give it credit for i mean you, if you have to choose go watch rear window yeah. it's <laughs> vastly superior but you know there's there are teenagers today that are never going to watch rear window mm-hmm. uh and this probably entertained them greatly. And now we're probably at a point where we have teenagers who won't watch Disturbia because yeah. it's too old. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I want to mention Hannibal Rising just because this is the movie I point to when I say horror movies shouldn't be beautiful to look at. Mm. The cinematography in Hannibal Rising is really good. Like it's like a beautiful film, but you, I just, I feel like you just don't make horror movies like this when they're beautiful. Like they, there's something lost in your your creepiness when that happens and everything and uh so anyway not a good movie at all um blades of glory (laughs) yeah will ferrell is doing sports comedies left and right in this era and everything and i may like blades of glory more than most because he's he's ridiculous in this and there's so many like stupid lines (laughs) in this and I'm all I'm all about it, you know. So it, it's, I just I, I don't know what it is. It is fun. It I mean it's not to the level of Talladega Nights and all that stuff, but uh, it's where you start to see the wheels kind of come off of these these types yeah, of movies. Yeah, yeah. Um, Lars and the Real Girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good Ryan movie. Gosling. Ryan Gosling. Um, I can't remember. Is it? It's a, a. Is it a blow up doll? No, it's like a real life doll. It's like one of the more like realistic oh okay and he and he's pretending that it's his girlfriend and everything uh very interesting character study i don't know if the movie overall is great but he's he's great yeah absolutely a lot of people like music and lyrics is that hugh grant hugh grant and drew barrymore no i don't like that one okay good walk hard walk hard a movie that when i first watched it i was like that's pretty funny now I love Walk Hard. <laughs> it's great. The movie is so funny, man. It's great. And John C. Riley can carry a movie like this. Yes. Man, I, I love this. I it, Wherever it is, I can I can pick up on it because the thing about it is his performances and Jenna Fisher's performance in this are actually like, you know, good enough to kind of stand on their own two feet. And the end of it is touching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's a hilarious comedy full of like naked penises yeah. and drugs and all that <laughs> stuff and just parody but like it's touching at the end yeah. i love the recurring tim meadows oh my god pretending another, to not want to give him the drugs another part of this yeah another little turn from tim meadows uh, in a movie that makes a movie 10 times better yeah. but yeah that the drugs thing is uh, so good <laughs> um but yeah man this is um this is Jake Kasdan who uh, who did Zero Effect, a movie that I've mentioned a few times and everything. I think this is one. This may be the this didn't do very didn't do anything at the box office. Mm. I don't think, but uh, I think it is one of the movies that showed he's not just a one one time guy and everything. He's this is really good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, another comedy that I really like, Hot Rod. Yeah. <laughs> um, Andy Samberg. Andy Samberg. Never saw it. This is a funny as fuck movie. Yeah. And 
and uh you just i mean you have to be you have to be in for some silliness mm-hmm. that's basically it if you're not in for some silliness then you're not gonna like you're not gonna like this but every time it's on like when it would come on comedy central even like even with the commercials and everything i had to watch this thing yeah um the just it Andy Samberg was trying to recapture what a- uh, Adam Sandler did back in the nineties mm. where pretty much everything goes, um, you know, Sandler, like over the years started making more and more basic type of comedies or whatever. Sandberg here, like there's a whole like footloose thing <laughs> that shows up in this thing. And like, uh, um, and there's that, there's that one scene where they're all like, walking in harmony down the street and singing the song you're the voice you're trying you know, and, uh, and like as everybody joins in on the song and everything it turns into a full-scale riot <laughs> and, and people smashing windows fighting there's a couple making out on the on a car all this other stuff i mean it's and it's just and there's like a weird part in there where he gets people to come and um, watch the uh, movie full of his stunts. Like a full theater yeah. comes to watch this, only to just make fun of him <laughs> during it. Like, it's just, it's so good. Like, I, I, I don't know. It's one of those movies that just got lost. And I, I understand why, because you have to really, like, be, have a tolerance for that type of thing. I uh, obviously do. Um, I'm not there. Todd Haynes. That's uh, a piece of shit. I hated this yeah, movie. Yeah, terrible. I'm glad you guys feel that way. I hated this movie so much. And Kate Blanchett's good. She got nominated for an Oscar. Yep. Uh, but the movie itself, go fuck itself. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, we all agree. Yeah. Um, <laughs> teeth. Oh, oh wow. I just saw this again like a month and a half ago. Vagina Dentata! Vagina Dentata! <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. I don't. I. First time I watched it, I was like, there's something here. Mm-hmm. And the second time I watched it, I was like, maybe this filmmaker's just a pervert. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I'm, I don't really don't know where I stand. I've only seen it the two times. It is, it is a very knowing. Like you could watch this movie and Saved back into back to back. I believe, like they have the same kind of themes, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Except Teeth is way, way more vicious, obviously. <laughs> but there is a repetitiveness to this movie. And it seems like every guy that this chick runs into is a rapist. Yeah. Every single one of yep. them. And you're just kind of like, come on, man. I understand <laughs> what you're going for here. And you're making entertainment. So you mm. got to you gotta have action in this. But man, every guy in this is a dumbass. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, kind of gets what they deserve. Yeah. It gets what they deserve. And it's repetitive. Yeah. And that's what it, what it comes down to. Yeah. But very interesting movie to watch. <laughs> Um, <laughs> the continuing popularity of Jason Friedberg and Aaron Seltzer's movie movies go on with epic movie here. It just uh, all it is, is, is you're talking about references. We were talking about Juno earlier. Mm. Uh, I feel like Juno's reference pop culture references have some sort of meaning or whatever in those movies in epic movie it's whatever is popular at the time and they just stick it in the movie and there you go and like there's i don't remember which one it does i think epic movie does do this where there's just like a a section where it's ashton kutcher punked <laughs> and 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 that's it and then there's like a there's like a pimp my ride and there's like all these mtv shows because <laughs> they, everybody remembers pimp my ride right and i was like they really a reason i bring this up is those those guys 
obviously loved movies like Airplane and Naked Gun and stuff when they were growing up, but they forgot what makes those movies great. Yeah. And it's not just stupid slapstick and whatever random reference you wanted to throw in. Uh, really bothersome that those guys got to make like they made a ton like yep. ton, date movie epic movie all yep. these movies just kept they coming scary out. movies no although they wrote scary movie because the scary movies are that to me too just but, another reference to another modern movie ha ha laugh now yep. yeah the first scary movie had keenan ivory wayans directing it and they wrote that first one and then i don't think they were a part of the other scary movies maybe they were i'm not sure they didn't direct them like the first the next one the first one that they did was date movie i believe okay. and i remember seeing the trailer for date movie and i was like huh it might be it might be good and then you watch it and you're just like that's all it is the entire time is just like let's try to find a way to put this movie in there and that movie and this movie yeah uh that's not the way those movies are supposed to go um a movie called Waitress. Have you seen this? Yeah. yeah. Great, Russell. great movie. Oh, that's so charming. Yeah, it's yeah. super charming movie. Um, it's on all the time, too. Like, yeah. Yeah. On one of those movie channels. It's constantly playing. Yeah, two, you can't find two more appealing leads. Yeah, and Andy Griffith is one of his last performances, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, and, uh, Well, and unfortunately, Adrian Shelley, who wrote and directed this oh, movie, yeah, yeah. she got murdered. Yeah. Um, shortly before this movie's release. Jesus. Weird story, by the way. Like, like somebody at her apartment building, uh, you'll have to just read up on it. I don't mm. want to say the wrong details and something like this, but somebody in her apartment building killed her because he thought she was going to say something about him or whatever. Jesus. So, yeah. But, uh, and, and she's good too. She's an actress in the movie. She mm. plays Carrie Russell's friend. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, I'd recommend that movie. It's yeah, very, um, shoot them up. Oh, <laughs> What do you, that's all I have to say. Yeah. That laugh. That's all I have to say. Clive <laughs> Owen and Paul Giamatti. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> this is of of that subgenre of just going balls out, uh, crank, expendables type of thing. This is the most watchable, I think. I love the scene where Clive Owen, you see him, he's in a factory, and you just see him just kind of like setting stuff up and then like looking over to the side somewhere and he's just kind of like setting things up and you're like what is he doing there and then like the a whole action scene with all the stuff that he set up like like happens after that yeah. it is a nutty ass movie and yep. it's it's looney tunes inspired and everything i love it <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah i mean alvin the chipmunks was a huge huge hit but unfortunately fuck that and there was a remake of The Hitcher. And then there's Vacancy, a movie that I really like. Another John Cusack. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, that's not John Cusack. That was, um, yeah, Identity is Identity. the one I'm thinking about. Identity has sort of, and for whatever reason, they're like motels featured yeah, yeah. very prominently. Luke Wilson's in this one. And uh, Kate Beckinsale. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, I saw right. that. Yeah, Va Vacancy, pretty good movie. Uh, and then what else? Premonition, one of the worst time travel movies I've ever seen. <laughs> Um, Which one is this? This is Sandra Bullock. Oh, Jesus. And <laughs> she's living the days out of order. Yeah. Uh, and like, oh, it's so infuriating. She, I'm going to tell you the ending of this movie. I'm so pissed <laughs> off at it. <laughs> she knows her husband dies on the road and like gets in a wreck or whatever. And she knows this. Okay. So she's spending the whole movie trying to get to this day where her husband dies and uh she drives out to the to the road where he where she knows this is going to happen and she she's like waving him down and she's like all right i i i, I successfully prevented this and before 
he's even safe anywhere. She's like, oh my God, I got him safe. He's safe. He's safe. He's safe. And then of course the dumbass gets fucking in a wreck anyway, because she's the one who distracted him. Oh, and it was Jesus. like, you motherfuckers. <laughs> that sounds shitty. I'm glad you saved us that. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> Before the devil knows you're dead. Another Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. That's great. And yeah. another great movie too. And Savages was another one that he was yeah. in that was that was terrific yeah. too. And another movie that got uh, a lot of uh, attention was The Diving Bell and the Butterfly. Mm -hmm. There's a it's about a guy who can only use his eyelids. Yeah, he had a stroke and that's the only way he can communicate. Yeah, yeah. and he's going through all his life and everything and and I'm I'm sitting there thinking, man, what a frustrating like they have this very patient nurse though who's like t telling him how to communicate and everything and and he has to blink mm -hmm. and they finally get a sort of a shorthand and he writes this whole story huh. as as it uh, goes on but really good uh and okay now we're ready all right today's order is barrett jeremy and chris ah! this i'm curious but man, i'm not that curious man this is such a difficult decision because i love persepolis so much and i think it's so impactful that i really wanted to to vote for it uh, but I think when you, you look in terms of the greatest that you'll see in this year, I got to vote for There Will Be Blood. Um, for everything that we said about Paul Thomas Anderson, he's just knocking it out of the park right here. And Daniel Day-Lewis, you can't take your eyes off. Mm -hmm. him, so that's my pick. Yep. That's a good pick. Mm -hmm. Like I said early on, there's so many good ones to choose from. Like this is almost my longest list of voting cho choices ever. Uh, but it's Gone Baby Gone for me. Mm. Um and I love There Will Be Blood the time or two I saw it. I love No Country for Old Men. I have Ratatouille in my top eight in this year, and it almost got a vote. Uh, but it's got to be Gone Baby Gone for me, and I keep going back to it. And it's, it's one of the weirdest... It's one of the weirdest draws for me, because there's no secrets left for that movie to show me. Um, but the way it goes about telling its story is entertaining to me, even when I know the beats. And yeah. so I'm giving it to Ben. That bartender was not fucking around. That bartender was not fucking around. <laughs> <laughs> I feel the same way as I did back in 2007. There Will Be Blood is still the best movie of this yeah. year. Um, uh, it was a hard year to pick my top 10, and I'd like to come back and look at that at some point, yeah. what, what I did uh, give. But yeah, There Will Be Blood, I can watch that anytime. It's just, it's just so expertly made, and I don't really know if there's any flaws in it yeah. whatsoever. I really thought we were going to, one of us was going to choose No Country, one There Will Be Blood, and one God May Be Gone. And after three rounds, those would be canceled out, uh -huh. and we'd be giving this to something like 310 to humor. <laughs> but, uh, but one round. Win. One round and they're That's done. it. Yeah. There Will Be Blood. Daniel there Plainview. Will be blood. I've abandoned my boy. <laughs> I abandoned my child. <laughs> Um, so are we ready for some uh, Q&A? Oh, let's cue the fuck out of some A's. Hey, hey, let me ask you something. This one time I let you ask me about my affairs. Any questions? I got something to say. Sir, what is it? Can I talk to you for a minute, please, sir? You got that? You got to ask me nicely. I am listening. Cue me. All right. What is the earliest movie you have of discovering your love for movies, whether it be a specific movie you saw or an experience that you had? What do you think was a big impact on you to discover your passion for films? Wow. Yeah. Jeremy, you want to go first? Um, yeah. I mean, it's probably going to be, by the way, usually I prep for these, uh, and Barrett and Chris both did, but I'm doing so much 
other shit this week I didn't prep. So these are all off the cuff, but I would probably say Back to the Future. <laughs> Why is that funny? I'm laughing because that's our answer. All to- three. But I've got, I've got, I'm, I'm going to expand on it. Uh, okay, go for it. No, it's awesome, though. No, that's it's awesome. totally awesome. Go for it. No, it's just a, it's the first time I felt magic yeah, watching yeah. a movie. I had seen the Black, okay, I seen the Black Cauldron. I had seen, I'd seen Star Wars by that point, and mm-hmm. it didn't have the magic that Back to the Future held. I think maybe it was the first time I felt like the main character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because um, Michael J. Fox does such a great job of reacting to everything around him in that movie. Um, and it kicked off my love of time travel for sure. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. I, now, I mentioned Back to the Future um, because this was the first movie that I remember. Now, I saw this in the theater and I saw it like, like I was in the front row or something. Like I was eight years old. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, a movie to see on the front row, that's, this is the, one of the best ones to see, uh, when it came out on video cassette, I got it for Christmas, like a couple years later or something like that. I watched it once a day for two weeks. Oh yeah. Wow. And, uh, and I remember, I remember just thinking, man, every day I'm watching this, oh, whatever. <laughs> and, um, but that was the first time I had been really obsessed with a movie, but by, by the time 1993 came around and I started working in a movie theater, um, I realized that there were a lot of other movies out there like, you know, that that I just never gave the chance before. And uh, there were a lot. I was lucky enough to be working with some people uh, back then who were older than me and had seen a lot of like really, really good movies. And they suggested Glengarry Glenn Ross and Ooh. Reservoir Dogs and all this other type of stuff that I I at 16 like i just didn't care about right and i saw the i saw the ads for glengarry glenn ross i remember thinking alec baldwin looked fun in there and everything i was just like who cares about that it was like mm. a bunch of assholes talking who gives a shit but when i finally watched them i was like okay sort of a new world's been opened and i started watching everything yeah and uh, I think that's where I can really pinpoint was 1993 when I started working in a movie theater. Have you made your decision for Christ? <laughs> <laughs> and action. Well, my my experience actually happened a year later because I was the same thing with Back to the Future with this. Uh, the other one that I wore out in, I guess, 92 or 93 was A Few Good Men on yeah. video uh, cassette. But I when I saw Pulp Fiction, which I saw on video, too, as soon as it came out, my cousin brought it over, my older cousin. I had never seen a movie like that in my yeah. entire life. And that I had watched a lot of movies before then, but I hadn't watched a movie like that. And because of its whole like weird linear thing, I was like, what? They killed off Vincent Vega? What the hell? Yeah. Man? Yeah. And it changed my whole perspective. And it, it, it was a very distinct movie moment for me. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, right before I said Back to the Future, I almost said Pulp Fiction. Oh, yeah. It was just, you know, nine years later than when I was in college. And, and I'm pretty sure Back to the Future is what sparked it for me. Mm. Yeah, I remember the same way about Pulp Fiction, by the way. Like, it just, it, I remember watching it and going, everything's changed. Yeah. The whole world's changed because of this movie. Yeah, yeah. it's a cool feeling. Yeah. It is. All right, this will be fun because we were talking about documentaries earlier. What are some of your favorite documentaries? And I'm going to rep one that is way underseen. I think it came out in 1970 or thereabouts. It's about the uh, the Summer of Love, 1969, the Altamont Free Concert, mm-hmm. and it featured the Rolling Stones. Yeah. 
And this is where I know you're thinking about the cable guy. Nightmare on Elm Street. not true, Tonight, it's my turn. <laughs> but this is actually a very disturbing yeah. documentary to watch. The Hells Angels uh, were hired to be security for this Altamont Free concert, and they were drinking and doing drugs all day, heavily armed with pool cues and knives and everything. And some guy decided to rush the stage and uh, actually pulled out a gun. And the Hells Angels stabbed him to death, and they got footage from that. Jesus. Not easy to watch. The, one of the last scenes is actually Mick Jagger watching it for the first time. Yeah. And you can tell how rattled he is. But oh. it was just a strange cap to that whole movement, yeah. basically. And it was it was filmed, and the weird thing about it was one of the people that, were, uh, that was a cameraman on that was George Lucas. Right. And he only got a few you know yards of film or whatever it was, but... Uh, it it's a compelling documentary. Now the the killing itself is not seen very well. Yeah, yeah, this. it's all like, like yeah, like you see the back. guy and you see a scuffle, mm. and in that scuffle is where it happens. Mm. But you don't see like you know, it's not like bloodletting or anything. Yeah, yeah. It's not a horror movie. Faces but, of death. Yeah, faces of no. death or anything yeah. like that. Um, but yeah, it's a very fast. It's a fascinating documentary. Yeah. Well, uh, before I realized we were going to talk about it during the year discussion, I had thought, well, I'll just say King of Kong for that <laughs> answer. Uh, but now I'm going to go with Trekkies. Um, oh, yeah. nice. Which, talking about a movie that both pokes fun at and respects its subjects, um, this is that. Mm. You can you can be the person that makes fun of nerdy Star Trek fans. You're going to love this. Yeah. You can be a nerdy Star Trek fan, and you're going to love this. <laughs> uh, it's just a loving, honest portrait of, you know, this handful of, of Trek fans. One is a dentist that has tricked out his entire dentist's office to look like Star Trek spaceship sets and whatnot, and that is all of his dental assistants wear like Trek uniforms and all that stuff. It's fantastic. They made a sequel, actually. It was so good. They, they went back oh, and yeah. did another one. That's but, right. Anyway, that was like ninety nine. Yeah, yeah, we were working together. Um, the I, I wrote down quite a few. I'm tr I'm trying to figure out which one I want to talk about, but Paradise Lost, uh, Capturing the Freedmen's, Crumb, Hoop Dreams, Man on Wire. Mm, all Man of those, on wire is so all good. those are so amazing and everything. I want to Paradise Lost is probably the most engaging series of documentaries that I've ever seen because it was about the West Memphis Three, mm -hmm. and I remember seeing this in college. Like that, went I had a documentary class, <laughs> and um, <laughs> and uh, saw Paradise Lost, and then uh, then they came out with Part Two later, and then Three, and then finally they came out. Like I saw this documentary in college. It took them twenty years after that to actually get out because it's stunning when you watch paradise lost how much evidence everybody's willing to ignore in the name of just having someone from the past be right that yep. they respect yeah and uh and it's it's just uh it's just stunning johnny depp was a huge free the west memphis three person yep and eddie good, vetter yeah for a good decade mm. or so there and they, uh, they ended up coming out with, there was another one that wasn't done by Bruce Sinofsky, and I can't remember the other guy that uh, helped him out, but uh, they did another one. It was I think it was just called West Memphis 3 or whatever. They, that was about them actually getting released. Mm. All four of those are worth watching because you'll, your jaw drop at the kind of the, the, the justice system. I wanted to bring up Capturing the Freedmans because I've never seen a documentary and been more confused about what actually happened. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it doesn't have a it doesn't have a a perspective where like you know it's like well we definitely know what happened so that so we're just gonna we're just gonna be very biased about it 
it's about uh it's about the this family and this guy who used to have like computer classes at his house and several of the kids uh later on accused him of sexual abuse Hmm. and we're and during the first part of this documentary we are dead certain that that happened Hmm. and then they start asking other kids who never came forward who about it and they said all I remember was this was like a, it was a computer class. I don't remember anybody getting up to do anything else. I don't remember, you know, anybody doing anything. It was, we just all went and uh, hung out and then we left. Hmm. And it just, and it's fascinating hmm. because it to, it really just shows you how many, like just the different perspectives that are going on in this. I'm inclined to believe the kids uh, who said that that happened, but there's a lot of things there that tell you maybe, maybe they didn't because Everybody who knew the Freedmen said that it didn't seem like very, of course, this is classic, you know, they didn't seem like the type of people that would be doing that yeah, type yeah. of stuff. Uh, but who does? Do you ever walk around and look at your neighbors and go, that seems like the kind of guy who's a child molester? Yes. Yeah. Nobody <laughs> seems like yeah, that. Yeah, yes, yeah, I do. Apparently. Yes, I do. All oh. the time. No. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Sorry, Chris's neighbors. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, I, I would I would watch it just for this fast, very good documentary. Here's the next one. What are some of the best movie titles? This is so weird. It's such a weird and simple question that I've never really thought about. I've thought about my least favorite movie mm-hmm. titles because there's some absurd ones out there. But I thought it was interesting enough. What do you guys think? The first thing that came to mind is a title I love, but I don't think it's good. And it's The Englishman Who Went Up a Hill and yeah. Came Down a Mountain. <laughs> yeah, I thought of that one too. Because it's I, I just love the wordplay there and I, I and the plot paralleling with the man's growth um so that was the first thing that came to my mind i always i mean it's too long as somebody who has put letters on a marquee before it's a pain (laughs) in the ass length of a title uh but i thought it summed up the movie pretty well and is really just really charming every time i see it or think about it i kind of smile yeah 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 like when you do a marquee for that it's like englishman (laughs) yeah that's it that's (laughs) That's all you're gonna do um I, I wrote down a few long ones as well because the long ones are the fun ones Why? right like don't be a menace to South Central while drinking your juice in the hood <laughs> yeah, it's, that's one of those that's just it's perfect it tells you everything yeah. you need to know and the movie's actually pretty decent too yeah um, or Dr. Strangelove or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and, and Love the Bomb yeah. you know those type of things I also wrote down like What's Eating Gilbert Grape I, The Naked Gun I think is a, a fun yeah. title and I put Hudsucker Proxy even though like I think most people were turned away because of that time. Yeah, yeah. And I also put down adaptation because I believe that is not only just a simple title, but it tells you more. It has more than one meaning. Yeah, yeah. it's loaded. Yeah, and uh, and I think that's a like if you're going to come up with a simple title to describe a movie, that's perfect. Yeah, yeah. I actually like the simple titles and. You know, when I, I wrote down something like Sky Captain, the World of Tomorrow, yeah. or that kind of thing, <laughs> where it's just like, oh, come on, let's just get to the point. And for that reason, something like Gravity, yeah. I thought was a great summation of that movie. Yeah. It's the same thing in music, man. When you get to the essence of a song and get a good song title, that that's awesome. You know, not crazy Fiona Apple stuff that she used to do uh, a, a long time ago. Uh, I'm talking about like Pearl Jam 10, you mm-hmm. know, those one word titles. So like Gravity uh psycho and vertigo yeah. I are, are both good ones and then it's cliche but i love what this title encompasses citizen kane mm-hmm. yeah because 
citizen Kane. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not you know all this stuff that comes with him. It's just getting to who he is. I think it's yeah. awesome. Well, yeah. was, uh, they, I think it was in a what was it the RKO movie that HBO did with Leo Schreiber playing yeah. Orson Welles. Mm-hmm. He was like, I got a got a Z and a K in this. <laughs> He's really excited about that. You know? <laughs> all right, one more. If you, I love this one. If you could go back in time with one to three movies from two thousand onward and show it to a nineteen eighty audience what films do you, would you show and what reaction would you expect from them jesus i think this is just a cool way I, to think about i things. love this question uh-huh. because it got me thinking because first off the first thing you're going to do is think i need to come up with all the great movies that we've seen uh over the years and then sent, show those to the people in 1980 but i look at this in a different way because what if they saw attack of the clones and revenge of the sith Oh, wow. Back then, would they have the same cynicism that we do wow. yeah. from 1999? Of course, we can't put Phantom Menace in this question, but uh, what would they What would they think, especially uh, audiences seen Empire of the Strikes Back at this point, uh, what would they think of Revenge of the Sith? Would They they might go fucking nuts for yeah. that movie. <laughs> Ooh, that's, that's interesting. And, I, and, I, and that's what it sort of, sort of drew me to the question was that, could we show them a movie like that that we universally hate and would they find it different? Yeah, it's part of their existing timeline. That, yeah. that would blow their minds. Yeah. Well, by that token, you could do like the RoboCop reboot or the <laughs> Total Recall reboot. Go back and show it to an audience before either one of those movies yeah. came out and see if they're popular at all. My The first thing that came to my mind was, uh, God damn it. <laughs> Michael Sarah has to fight the seven boyfriends oh scott pilgrim scott Scott pilgrim Pilgrim, because it's so fucking manic Uh they have never seen anything anything like it was well into the 90s before mtv was doing lots of flashy colors Mm -hmm. and quick edits so in the mid 80s just to fuck with them and see what would happen like an experiment (laughs) i'd show them something just really manic and out there like that or requiem for a dream or something that's just really crazy yeah yeah i mean i always think that technological marvels because we've exponentially increased our capacity to understand technology since 1980 Mm -hmm. until now Mm -hmm. so when you go back you know that that number of years to show them something like inception yeah Yeah. would be i I think somebody's head would explode oh yeah you know because you can't just go from 1980 where things are you know still gritty and raw and Mm -hmm. everything and not that they hadn't seen amazing stuff in the 70s up until now but like that audience it, it would just dazzle them. It would just be insane. Yeah. The special effects in that are, are you're like, you're right. I mean, I think it would blow people like some, some heads would explode yeah. <laughs> like to see cities getting bent over yeah. each other. Like they are in that. And like all the, you I mean all that stuff was just not possible. Yeah. And now we accept it. It's like, Oh, Dr. Strange, they're doing that the whole thing again. But you it's know? because we've watched it slowly over time. Exactly. That's exactly why that's a great answer. You jump back to mm-hmm. somebody who hasn't seen any of that growth and just go for from there to here, yeah. God, that would be. I bet you people would. Some people would run out screaming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably so. Yeah, it's almost like a train arrives at a station back in the 1800s. Oh yeah, the rumor was people ran out of the theater, which is a lot, I think a lot of people have debunked over the years. But well, uh, that type of thing. For the record, I don't. I'm not going to try and explain why what you just said made me think of this. Mm-hmm. But a podcast or two ago, when we were talking about the second Pirates movie and how much we didn't like it, Uh somehow a good portion of the listeners thought we were confusing 
at World's End with Dead Man's Chest. Yeah. But we weren't talking about all the little Johnny Depps running around. We were talking about Johnny Depp with fake eyes painted on his eyelids in the native village in that ball of wicker. That's yep. the second movie. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. I just want to clarify we weren't wrong. Yeah, well, the, the shittiness of those two movies runs together. Apparently. That's true. That's yeah. also a good defense. Yeah. Yeah, because by the end of the second one, that's when he goes into the purgatory yeah. or whatever, and then that's where all the depths come in and yeah. all that. So yeah, all that happened in the second one. I don't know what I don't know what people were, but I will say this: yes, those two movies are very very interchangeable to me. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, I I could talk about one or the other, and you you could say, oh, that's in that world's end, and I'd be like, oh, fuck it, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, this may have set the record for how many times we mentioned Johnny Depp in a podcast. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. Johnny Depp, Johnny Depp, Johnny Depp, Johnny Depp, Depp. <laughs> that's a that's a religious song from church camp. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not, not Johnny Depp. All right. Well, that's going to be the Syncast for this week. Keep going to SoundCloud and giving us your opinions. Love it, man. Love talking to you people. You know what I've seen lately? I've seen more females get on the SoundCloud message board. And I hope that means we're reaching more or, or maybe you just feel compelled to comment now. But it's really cool to have because usually we get a lot of dudes on there. So go there. Um, talk to us. We love it. Keep it up. Yeah, absolutely. I enjoy hearing all this feedback, whether it's good or bad. I don't I don't really care, actually. I just want to get feedback. Mm -hmm. But uh, that'll be the Syncast for this week. It's Chris Atkinson, Jeremy Scott and Barrett Sher. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube. Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com. Uh, let me look at this last little list here. And this then is I think the movie. <laughs> Fucking itself. <laughs> I'm doing the hand and the yep. finger circle thing. That that looks like a movie getting fucked right there. <laughs> exactly what it is. He's nice. he's he's got a tattoo of Winona on his on his arm when he dated uh, Winona Ryder, and then when he when he broke up, he had to wipe off the N and the A, and now it says Wino. Wino forever. Wino forever. Yeah, that's right. Nice. Um, Get some tattoos, kids. That's what we're telling you. That's right. I haven't looked at my karma score in forever because it's probably not very good. Because the only part of Reddit that likes me is the subreddit for CinemaSense. <laughs> Everybody else hates me. Do you comment on the other stuff? No. Yeah. I did for a while, but then I realized, no, no, no nobody likes me. I'll just, uh, <laughs> I'll comment on the subreddit and uh, I won't go on to our movies anymore. <laughs> Hal Holbrook got nominated for an Oscar in this. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and watching him basically take Emil Hirsch under his wing at one point and then have and seeing him leave and Hal Holbrook breaking up just in tears because he doesn't want basically his sort of adopted son to leave at this point and the thing uh an early turn from Kristen stewart and i actually mm. thought that she would have uh i actually thought she's a good actress when i watched this mm. which is why it was so weird to see her in twilight yeah. later on and everything <laughs> you guys were talking about max richter right uh, mm -hmm. the yeah yeah he did that violin stuff in the rival I I heard I was like the name I, when you guys said it I was like I know I've heard that fucking name well I have a whole album by him oh wow and it was the it was uh, he did a um uh, I guess a redo of Vivaldi's Four Seasons oh uh, yeah yeah and uh, I had heard it just on XM or whatever one day walking around and I was like this is awesome so I got the whole thing and and uh, and he doesn't do very many movies like he does a lot of like just 
No, they just use his shit in the movie. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think he may have a couple of like full on credits, but mm. not. Yeah, he's usually they usually get something he's done and yeah. put it in there or whatever. But yeah, I heard the name. I was like, yeah, Max Richter. Where have I heard that name? You actually got the album. Yeah, that's awesome. I have it on my phone. I've had it for a couple years now. <laughs> he may have done. And his picture when you Google him comes up and it looks like he's having an orgasm. Excellent. Mm, Maybe he, looks, he is. <laughs> it looks like mm-hmm. he's. You remember those nymphomaniac posters where everybody yes showed their like O face? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Even like Stellan Skarsgård. Right. <laughs> I wonder if we would ever talk about Nymphomaniac the movie if it weren't for you. <laughs> <laughs> like you're the only guy that ever brings it up. I'm telling you, man. I, I was just surprised that it was even competent. And I like I like Lars von Trier. Like, yeah, no, uh, I'm not- overall uh I'm kind of a fan of his stuff, so it was just enough of a curiosity that I was like Plus right. you wanted to see Shia's dick. <laughs> I actually had forgotten that his dick was, or whatever. It's not his, I guess, but yeah, um, it's uh, it's completely like a porno star. I don't know how the fuck they do that though, because that's some really good fucking editing mm-hmm. to do whatever they did to make it to where they're not actually having sex. Yeah, like you got to work harder to pretend that you are having sex than mm-hmm. in this movie to pretend yeah. that you're not actually. That's doing why it. every time they talk about love scenes when they're when these actors talk about love scenes they say it's always the hardest thing to do because it's very mechanical and not sexy at all and you know put your arm here put your elbow there it's like there's no like spontaneity <laughs> 20 people in the crew watching you yeah yeah i just thought that that was funny that it was on stranger than fiction too and uh, shutter island yeah is it actually in the movie or i don't know i just saw a bunch of people saying that on yeah Twitter. well and shutter island's got a great score yes, in general the guy uh john adams did that one which is really good he's the great 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 grandson <laughs> yeah. Of yeah john adams the president yeah. john Quincy it's funny adams. it's funny how he just gets away with john adams like like you would think that would be something like john w adams or yeah. something like that <laughs> he spells adams with a four yeah <laughs> yeah 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 by the power of christ when you're not the lead dog the view doesn't change and I always wanted the view, so 